Boy, oh boy. It is an interesting morning here in East Lansing. It's been an interesting, I don't know, 12 hours, 13 hours since Michigan and Michigan State kicked off last night and uh, the Spartans got trounced by their in-state rival, the Wolverines, 29-7, to but... We're back here on the Green and White Report. Happy Halloween, everybody. It's Halloween's Eve today. Um, back after being off last week. Short hiatus for fall break. A lot of people were uh, out of town and uh, not nearby the station to do the show. But we've got a lot on the agenda today. We're going to talk about the Michigan-Michigan State game, obviously. We are going to talk about the fight as well after the game near the Michigan State locker room with a single Michigan player and a couple Michigan State players. Michigan State Hoop starts this week as well. We'll talk about them. Detroit Sports, we've got the pick them and in and out at the end of the show as always. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Brennan Shabath, with my co-host, Zach Slowick, as well as Liam Jackson and Matt Merrifield today. Guys, how are we feeling uh, immediately the morning after that loss last night? Um, I'm in a weird place. Um, it's so much to digest. I'd say because the game itself, there was a lot to take from the game and then everything else that happened after. This is something that um, you're going to see this video for years to come. Um, It's going to be on social media. Um, It's going to be talked about for a long time. So um, I think it's important that Michigan State um, does – as good as they can in handling it in the aftermath here. And I know that President Stanley and Mel Tucker have released statements this morning about it. So I know we'll get into it, but it's weird that it sucks that the a game, uh, this rivalry game, is kind of not the main story uh, the next morning. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't agree more with everything you said. Michigan State obviously hung in that first half and looked pretty good defense did a good job I even think in the second half they're on the field for most of the game um held a very good Michigan team to 29 yards Blake Corum obviously ended up going a decent amount over 100 yards took him about 30 carries to get where he got very good running back I said it on air yesterday Kenneth Walker should have been in New York last year Blake Corum should probably be there this year just a freak freak athlete very good running back um, the yards after contact was what I was most th- impressed by. And that's, I thought and that, that was pretty th- impressive. And that's where the he is very vastly different from Kenneth Walker. Their stats are almost identical. Yards after contact, broken tackles, yards, touchdowns. Like they all pretty much line up. Neither of them really did much and do much in the receiving game. Um, but yeah, and then just after the game, it's you don't even think about. Well, Michigan State's defense played good. They held Jake Moody to five field goal attempts, which obviously he's probably the best kicker in the country right now, if not one of them. Um, 15 points for him. If you hold Michigan to one touchdown, or two touchdowns, one late, uh, both to Blake Corum, I don't think you're mad. The play calling was an issue once again. You have to pick up a fourth and one, um, and I don't want to hear the – it was a miss. Uh, communication with snap count after coming out of a timeout that that cannot happen right. um so i i don't know we'll we'll dive a little bit deeper but that's my initial thought um my initial reaction um 
Number one, I'm happy of the state I was in when I watched that game. Made it a lot easier to watch because I had friends who were not in a similar spot that were angry watching that game, and I can understand why. It was frustrating to watch at times, obviously the play calling. Uh, like Liam said, it's disappointing that the biggest story coming out of this game is something that happened off the field. It just, I, I mean, we're going to talk about it. it is, it's just upsetting, and it's a bad look for uh, for Michigan State. Um, the other thing, State, I, I said this this week, State, Michigan State is not, that team that played last night is not a 3-4 and four football team. And the way they've played the last two games, they're not a 3-5 and five football team. Like, this is a good, I'm not going to say good, this is a solid Michigan State team that should win eight games this year, or should have won eight games this year. And even after watching last night, I mean, play calling and things just getting in the way of what could have been a solid season. Right now, the program is uh, trying to just tread water and save its life right now because things could get ugly really quickly if they don't. Some important decisions aren't made. So let's get. W- w- there's a lot to break down from this game, and we have set aside for our listeners at home a significant amount of time to talk about this game. And we'll get into the X's and O's of it um, a little bit later. Let's start with the, obviously, the, the main storyline from this game is the fight that happens after the game, immediately after, in the tunnel. I mean, it was had to have been 90 seconds, it felt like, after that final second ticked off the clock. That that And credit to Matt Charbonneau from the Detroit News. That video was up quickly. It was... Pretty impressive video and kind of damning on Michigan State's end. Um, and it was up and moving throughout Twitter very quickly. Um, and it's Jaden McBurrows from Michigan getting beat up by six or eight Michigan State players in the tunnel right after the game. And at first glance, it looks horrible for Michigan State. It looks like a bunch of sore losers who are beating up on some guy who was just trying to celebrate his win um, in the tunnel for uh, for Michigan. And I know, obviously, the media in, was in that tunnel and has access to that tunnel after the game. It's the same thing here at Spartan Stadium. A lot of places are like that. Uh, Matt Charbonneau, Chris Solari, Kyle Austin, a couple of the beat writers were right there, basically in the middle of that. Liam and Zach, you guys were there. Where were you when this fight broke out, how did you guys hear about? It? I mean, you guys were in the building, so I want—I kind of want to get your take on the immediate in-person aftermath of all that. Yeah. So, <clears throat> where press row was is on the opposite side of the tunnel of the stadium. So, I believe those guys left um, press row a little earlier than we did. Me and Cam McLaren waited until zeros hit the clock, and then we left. So we were down there right as the press conference was beginning, but this happened before the press conference, so they had been down there. I found out we were walking around the con- concourse um, with people from the state news, and I think Alex from the state news was the one who was showing me the video as we're rushing to the press room. And my mind's already running because try- we're trying to figure out where this press – I've never been there before, so I'm trying to find the press conference. And then that's something that's in my head, um, thinking about how this is – I didn't know – I had no context at all at that point. Um, still don't have too much context as as we talked about, but when we get down there, it's so tight down there. Everything is so tight, and the area where the skirmish happened was not in MSU's locker room. It's off to the left, right before. It's like a different. It, it that it was right where the press where the press conference was going to be. So and those MSU players were 
probably 15 to 20 yards away from their locker room down the hall. And where, it's down the hall and to the right, right? Michigan's and, locker room is to the right. Okay. And MSU's locker room is to the left. Okay. But it's very, everything is so close. And um, so where they were was right next to, it was like an intersection where the press conference was. And then 20 yards down farther was where MSU players were headed. So that's why the media w- were able to, to, to be there and ca- capture video. But when we got down there, um, the press conference had just started and everyone was talking amongst themselves, searching for answers, comparing videos that they had. Um, there were police. Alan Haller was there. Um, um, there were police writing things down. I don't know what they were writing. I'm not going to speculate on that. But they were they were talking to the MSU officials. Mel Tucker was much shorter in the press conference, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he knew what exactly happened when he got to the press conference. I'm not. I don't know what he knew because everything was so happened so quickly. But he was very short. He did not. He said he didn't address the fight after the game with his team because he said he didn't know what happened. Um, Xavier Henderson and Winman wouldn't talk about it. They said they didn't know what happened. Um, I mean, I, we can see who's in the video. and Yes, and I, I just don't know because at that point when Xavier Henderson and Winman were talking, it was 20 to 25 minutes after the video had circulated. And, and I'm not, like I said, they said they didn't know, so I don't know. But there was no... It was very, it was very tense situation. People were um, pressing the players and coaches about the fight, but uh, weren't getting any answers. But it was obvious, just being like when we walk out, it's obvious that that's the only thing people are talking about. The obvious that there's a lot of attention going on, and people are trying to figure out what exactly happened. So, very bizarre situation. It felt surreal at the time, and I. Still can't really wrap my head around it, and the video looks really, really bad, like you said. So uh, we'll see what comes out of it. But um, and you got, I'm sure everyone saw on social media, Michigan pressing charges are going to get the law involved, and in, in Jim Harbaugh called it assault. And I don't think that that is that's I don't think that that's a crazy thing to do at all. That's what it, that's what it looks like at this point. That's what it looks like. What happened? Yeah, and uh, Sir Denick and myself were just wrapping up. I mean, you guys are pr- on the air. So Probably. still at this point, when it happened, yeah, we were on the air, and then we talked. There was a little scrum on the field, like after just like a little pushing match, just some people talking. It happens frequently in this game. Um, so by the time we were done with our post game show and walking, Michigan's press conference just started. Uh, first person to come out was Blake Corum, and they have it on every TV there. Uh, and the last question they asked him was. Blake, what what was going on like with that fight? And he was like, well, I don't know what you're talking about." Like, and then their SID jumps in, or their athletic director, or someone jumps in. He was like, "Blake doesn't know yet. We're not going to ask any more questions about it. We're not going to talk about it." And none then we were of, like, "None of Michigan's players were. They told they weren't allowed to ask Michigan players about it because they didn't know. But Jim Harbaugh well, knew about it when he came in." Well, there's a reason a bunch of the Michigan players didn't know about it, and it's because they were doing what they were supposed to be doing, and that's on the field celebrating yeah. immediately after the game instead of running into the tunnel to talk smack to your opponent. And so I, us three, including Matt, us four actually, Matt was in that group chat as well, were in a group chat after this game talking about the fight, and it got a, a little heated, and there are some differing opinions on this thing. I am in the minority in that I 
think both teams are very in the wrong here. And this is a situation that could have easily been avoided if grown men could have just been grown men um, and not acted like little children. And I'm not condoning violence, and no, in any situation should there not be a group of six to eight players from one team ganging up on one player of another team. But I have spoken to people who were in that tunnel that are not journalists and are not, you know, people who are looking at this from an unbiased lens, so take it with a grain of salt. But from what I heard, Jaden McBurrows had previous high school personal beef with a player on Michigan State immediately after the game had an incentive and a motive to go out there and instigate. And you can see him. I'm not, I don't know if you guys saw it. There's a wide-angle shot of McBurrows from the field skipping past Michigan State players into the tunnel. It's clear he has a motive to instigate something, to go talk smack, to go do whatever. And, you know, when you win the game, you can you can say whatever you want, but it's hard to not think that that situation is going to go over poorly when there's one guy in front of 50 opposing uh, players you can't expect that to go over well you know not saying there should have been a fight not saying there should have been violence but a better decision could have been made here and I think on the opposite side a better decision could have been made for Michigan State don't beat this guy's ass just keep walking be the bigger person this doesn't have to break out into a fight you know there are media there everybody knows this those guys know they're on camera your last name's on the back of your shirt why are you kicking this guy when he's on the ground this doesn't make any sense yeah. and it's it's just it's a bad look all around I hate it from both sides I really hate <laughs> Michigan's take on it I I, I don't I I think they're going to try to press charges. They're going to be Michigan about it. Um, I don't know from what I have heard if it's going to work out that way. I heard from someone who was there when it started that police were there when it started. So if what I heard is true and that McBurrows is instigating this altercation, whether it's in a physical or a verbal way or both, that there are official police there who are aware of that. Um, and I, I'm not going to get any more into that, but it – I, I just don't think that, like, this is just such a dumb situation. Michigan is going to handle it poorly. Michigan State is going to handle it poorly. It's going to boil over into basketball. It's going to boil over into next year for football. It's, the, I mean, you, you said it perfectly. This is a video we're going to see forever. It's going to be on every highlight buildup for both sides. It's going to be on every broadcast of this football game for every year to come moving so forward. Long. It's 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 we're not gonna forget about this, and I don't think Michigan's gonna forget about this. But it's just a horrible situation, and it's annoying because it's to, to me it's not even like there's fun stuff to talk about in this rivalry, like the Devin Bush stuff with the the Spartan head, whatever how many years ago that was, and the little brother stuff. That stuff is fun to talk about. That's rivalry stuff. This is childish and stupid, and it's. I don't. I'd rather talk about the game. I'd rather talk about why Michigan State lost. I'd rather talk about the fact that Michigan really didn't look that good. I didn't think they were a very good football team. I didn't think they outplayed Michigan State that much. I'd rather talk about how JJ McCarthy made really bad decisions. I'd rather talk about how I don't think Blake Horm is that good. It's the offensive line. But instead, we're here talking about this stupid ass fight because these kids can't act like adults. I mean, you guys are 
19, 20, 21, 22 years old. Some of them 23 and 24. I mean, yeah. COVID it, year. It, you know, and, and it's football. You play a physical game. There were some, I mean, you know, Wolver- if you, you want to talk about Twitter and get in all the Twitter fights and whatnot, I don't really care. A lot of Wolverine fans uh, made a good point, and they said, where was this in the 60 minutes prior on the field? And they're right. I mean, Michigan State was uh, – physically behind the curve compared to Michigan and they got their ass handed to them all night up and down the field and then this video comes out and and it it looks really bad it looks like a bunch of sore losers um beating up on a Michigan player i think it's a little bit more nuanced than that i think there i don't i fully do not believe this Michigan state football team just started punching this guy and and ganging up on him Unprovoked. There's no way that happened. Absolutely not. But it's it shouldn't have happened at all in the first place. And I don't know where we move forward from this. I mean, if I can't, I'd be surprised if Haller and Tucker and President Stanley. I don't want to say turn on the the players involved, but if Michigan does press charges, I don't I don't really know what the officials at Michigan State, Tucker, Haller, Stanley, what they do in that situation moving forward. We'll see. I didn't hear anything this morning um, that was breaking about this situation necessarily, so we're going to have to pay attention today um, to what some of the media uh, people say and what we hear from our sources, but it's just a bad situation. I, I, I just You said you breaking down a little bit of what you said there because there was a lot of information, and I agree with just about most of it, except for the Blake Corm is in a good running back part. Um, that offensive line is phenomenal, but um, if, if anybody knows how much I think Michigan is just the most average thing, but Blake Corm, he's legit. You want to talk about Kenneth Walker being an eraser, Blake Corm makes J.J. look like he's not garbage. Yeah. Um I, I'm not saying JJ's garbage by any means, but uh I tell you what, there were a couple like, times last night that if I, Cade was back there, it would have been a sack, but and, JJ was able to get out. And me and you've had this conversation on here. You were talking about how JJ's so much better, JJ so that I was like, JJ doesn't know what to do with the ball and he want, all he cares about he wanted to run hurry up and take deep shots. I get he wants to embarrass Michigan. Fo- he's a football player, no, man. And I have nothing wrong with wanting to go out there and beat your rival and beat him by a lot. Maybe he had money on the game and they were trying to cover because it was 22 and a half or 23 depending depending on when you got it when you got it um but he wanted to he wanted to run hurry up he wanted to take shots and it's like i know i know that you're trying to win by a lot but the more plays you run the higher you or one of your teammates is to get injured which is not something you want to do um there's a pretty good chance you you and ohio state are both 11 and 0 going into each other that is, they do have to still be Illinois. Illinois is looking very good. Um, but I, the only thing that I have to say about that tunnel is not only like Spartan Stadium's tub- tunnel is probably double or triple the width of that. Yeah. And the security there just stood. Like, we, well, I mean, we, we, I, you, there's not much you can do in that situation, but like the video of, and this is what I thought we would be talking about. Mel Tucker, like somebody like touches the top of his head. Oh, don't like even, give me, don't even get me started on There's that. There's a security guard or a police officer who just like 
slid literally, their literally right not past doing his job. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know. I saw the video of there's a wide shot, like you said, of all both teams going into the tunnel, and you can see McBurrows sliding past security and running up the tunnel, and I'm like, nobody thought to grab him because he's the only one that tried to do it. Yeah. And all the rest of the Michigan guys were waiting. Like just standing right outside, and sure they were, and, sh- they were and probably usually, shit talking, and usually stadium event staff and security separate the teams. It, it, like Minnesota, Michigan State, they separate the teams, and not even rivalry I, games. I, they let they let the teams go separately into the tunnel. Now, now it boils over, and there's right. a little bit of spillage, but, but I, nobody yeah. he shouldn't have got that far. They shouldn't have got that far up the tunnel. The state players should not have tried to beat the crap out of him. Like I get, he's in your face, and there's a hundred of you, and he's. Talking his talk, and it's like, yeah, you probably have every urge to punch him in the face right now, but you probably shouldn't. You should be the higher. I think you to make matters worse, Jaden McBurrows hasn't played in a game since 2021. That's also yeah, true. I'm not sure why he's, of all people, is doing yeah. that. But, hey, I mean, it's Michigan. Do your thing. But this is Michigan State. You should probably do your thing and just take the higher road, which that's the first time I, like, felt embarrassed to be a Spartan for something where it was like, wow, we just tried to, we as a school and as the University of Michigan State, look bad. Because our football team decided to assault a guy, and and it, it is what happened. I understand he provoked him, and there's, I mean, like you said with the Mel Tucker thing, the fans shouldn't have touched his head. The fact that Mel Tucker like swinging at somebody, which that's putting it harshly, like that's like some, yeah, swiping an also, arrow. Also, it's like I, a sixty-year-old man. Had, like how like how immature the, are you I, at that I had, age? I had no issue with what the the fact that the Tucker thing isn't the biggest storyline is how big that fight was. Like. And the Tucker, Tucker story, thing, the Tucker that's an story, afterthought. It's, it's, it's an yeah. afterthought. It should be nothing, but people would be talking about it just because, oh, Mel Tucker, it's nothing, right? Guy touched top of his head, he just swings at him like, hey, and that F that, off. that also shows how tight that tunnel is. Yeah. Mel Tucker's in the middle of that tunnel, and a fan can reach over right. and touch him. All right, can, I mean, I just, can I just say ahead. really quick, I, I know that the setup is probably not the greatest, but, like, I people talk all the time and I understand how bitter this rivalry and I don't think there's anything that someone can I don't know I can't imagine some of something someone can say that would warrant that person being put on the ground kicked in the face and I agree. Couldn't agree, I agree more yeah so like I don't want to like make so, I, I don't want it to sound I'm, like we're yeah, making we're, I'm not making but, any but I, under, you have, I understand that it wouldn't have happened if he wasn't Skipping into the locker room, but you, I you have to you have to understand the nuance of the situation in no, which Mich- that Michi- the, these should be these are grown adults and they should act like it. But immediately, this is ninety seconds after the game totally is over. Probably is not- the worst time to uh, provoke someone and instigate with someone whom you have personal beef with from years totally prior. It's it. not they- just somebody talking smack because they're on the other team. I, I t- these guys know each other. I get it, and there's it's. Like you said, it, it's dumb that his whole team was celebrating a win that they haven't gotten in three years, and he's in trying to be. He's around Michigan State's locker room. It's very Michigan. But just walk in the locker room. Like, like it's just just use that as motivation next year. Just use that as motivation for the rest of the year. Like, get pissed yeah. off. Get pissed off that someone is. That's easy. Is, that's easier said I than un- done. I I know, but I mean I understand. But yeah. when is the last time that in this week? How off? When in when in any football game have you seen? Like there's been a lot of talking, there's been fights like that. But when when's the last time you saw six to eight people take on one guy and break his nose and throw him on the ground while and hit him on the ground? I just don't. And it should never, ever, ever, ever get to that point. And I like if he was if there was just a video of him in there and they're a little shoving and yelling, then I I totally think that that would yeah. be like that would be on 
McBurrows in Michigan because he's there. If he doesn't get hurt and they're just like... Well, also you yeah. add in the fact that he didn't play, so he's not wearing his helmet and he's going to talk yeah. smack to players who just got off the field from the last snap and were playing and have their helmets on. That doesn't work in his favor either. So just, I get I just very bad decision-making all around. It's just getting your nose broken while you're already on the ground by multiple people and talking crap. It just doesn't really... I, it's not even, in I, my opinion. I like, think that, they, that doesn't warrant getting... All getting beat I don't up know, with them. I don't know how many state players were involved, but let's say it's just the six that it was said in the report, original report. All Then all seven, including McBurrows, are at fault. The six guys should not have tried to beat the crap out of him, and McBurrows also should not have gone up the tunnel. Hopefully he learned his lesson if he had, does have a broken nose. But it's just both sides should have taken the higher road, and they didn't, and it's disappointing. I think – I don't know what – there has to be some sort of repercussions. I mean, McBurrows isn't going to get suspended or anything. He's going to be told, he, hey, not to he, do that again. His AC, he tore his ACL in December. He's out for the year anyways. They just let him dress because it was a rivalry game. Nice. You got a guy injured running up a tunnel trying to talk smack. Right. Which, well, I mean, that, he was that, skipping, that is, so his ACL is, might be feeling that better. Is, that is that is pure Michigan, but it doesn't defeat exactly. the fact that— the, the, it, This whole situation but, from their side but, is just right. so Michigan, and, it's and perfect. I, I, I agree that they are trying to play woe is me when it's like, well, you're doing what you always do, unfortunately, state— at this point, decided to handle it in a way they usually don't. Um, I don't. It's just frustrating. I I wish that wasn't what we were talking about right now. The thing. Okay. And, also, this is you can't do this just because they may be. I understand the emotion, but this is going to affect your season down the line. The people who are involved might not play a game this season, a game the rest of the season. They might miss it, or if if like they're missing there's suspensions coming yeah maybe worse i don't know what's going to happen but yeah. this isn't just this season this video is going to be out there recruits are going to see it this has been a bad season already recruiting like could have already taken hit already but generally even after this loss generally the direction of this program is trending in a good way this is this is this is not just this year this is yeah. This could mess this, up this could a lot of things for the future, for this coaching staff, for this program moving forward. That's what, I don't. Like, I think outsiders view this as a rivalry thing. I don't think that this is going to boil over in, into something that big where it becomes this uh, Michigan State's out of control. And it's, I mean, as long as they suspend the people that need to be suspended, even if it's just for a game and they handle it properly, then I agree. I tell you what, some of the – I don't know. I mean, I was – glued to Twitter after the game just be after the fight really I didn't care that much after the game but after the fight and um, it did not take long for the comments to turn race related and racist about Michigan State after that fight um, and that's no surprise um, and, and it's 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 just dumb Michigan fans you know saying what they're gonna say but I this just I really don't want us to go there with with, with this yeah. story and 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 I hope it, it doesn't get like that but um I don't know man I, I just you yeah. d- don't don't go talking smack in front of six guys who you know and also it's 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 so perfect too because they you know they always talk about the little brother and they always pretend that the Michigan State game doesn't matter and that they're only focused on Ohio State and then sure enough what do they do the second they win is they don't know how to act. They run into the tunnel when they're not supposed to. 90 seconds after the game is over from someone who hasn't even played in the game and hasn't played all year and is talking smack to Michigan State. Yeah. It's it's I think it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Yeah. My last thing is in Michigan's three of their last four home Big Ten games, 
they've had something happen in the, tu- in the tunnel. They had the crap that happened last year against OSU. They had two weeks ago against Penn State, and then now last night. I'm not, and some people say, well, fights don't happen anywhere else. I, I do think that the tunnel situation at Michigan kind of breeds stuff like that to happen. So- I I, I and I know this situation was different than the other two because the other two were at halftime when both doors were opening and teams were being let out. And I know Michigan's done it before where they like to open the door early to talk their crap, which I think is the dumbest thing in the world, stay in the damn locker room and wait for the game to start. But, I mean, that's just Michigan for you, like we've said 100 times already today. It just, I, I, I think... This isn't the first time that tunnel has had issues. Right, that's yeah. right. Like, Not yeah, just three, this season, but like, historically. Like three of the last four... Big Ten conference or Big Ten home games Michigan's had. Something has happened in the tunnel. And then it happens, I feel like, every year. There's a game, whether it's Ohio State, Michigan State. The Ohio Penn. State one. Ohio State you, game you happens every year. You can't get through that tunnel without every year. pushing and shoving and, and, and yelling and screaming. And, it just, and I get it's part of the rivalry at the same time. It's like, you guys. It's childish. Yeah, but, it's, stupid. But, but it's stupid. We're here to play it's football. It's stupid when, they, when Michigan plays the victim, when they are kind of breeding the situation. Like, if you're kind of cooking it up at that point, you're asking for it. And not that it's right that it happens, but you can't play the woe is me card. I mean, yeah, active. it's not it's not right that it was six on one, but to not expect anything to happen at all is just naive, and and very dumb on Michigan's part. Um, but I think that's all we, we we've got on the fight. It's it's a dumb situation. It's a bad situation. I think it looks worse for Michigan State, which is just the way it works out with the video that was taken and with the context or lack thereof in the overall situation. Um, we'll see where it goes moving forward, but believe it or not, there actually was a football game that took place on the field before. Liam and Zach, you guys were there to watch it in person. Matt and I had the lovely pleasure of watching the ABC broadcast, which was dog water. So bad. Unbelievable, dude. I mean, there were the camera pan, the camera whip pans left and right, the bad cuts from the director. There's one time they show a replay and they come back and Elijah Collins is actively being tackled five yards past the line of scrimmage. We just didn't see the start of the snap. So stupid. It was horrible. ABC royally fumbled that game. No pun intended. Um, But so we'll start with you guys who were there. And, and, you know, what did you guys see in that game? For Michigan State, obviously they lose 29-7. to um, Depends where you got the line. Might have been a cover. Not sure. Um, Michigan runs for 276 yards, 5.3 per carry, which it felt like 15.3 per carry when we're watching that game. Um, but and, and, and I talked about it earlier. I don't think Michigan looked that good. I thought J.J. made some bad decisions. They couldn't convert in the red zone against Michigan State, who's one of the best red zone defenses in the country. Um, and I think their defense got bailed out by Michigan State's offense. But ultimately, if you move the ball at least somewhat, you can win the football game. And that's what Michigan was able to do. Did you guys see the same thing? I My takeaway was the first half, Michigan State was the better team and it should have been in the lead. There was a few play calls, fourth down play calls, um, penalties on the first drive, um, another unsportsmanlike. So they 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 hurt themselves in the first half. But Keon Coleman is an NFL player and he made NFL plays. Um, the second half they came out and they were out coached and out played straight up. They just were, they 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 ran six plays in the third quarter, got eight yards, um, no first downs, two three and outs. They at one point in the fourth quarter they had uh, they were had negative one total yards in the second half. Um, and I know you, I, you guys were saying, I don't. Th- I think this is just how like Michigan, they didn't finish in, in 
the red zone and around the red zone, which will hurt them against an Ohio State and even Illinois, um, for sure. But they had the ball for 40 minutes. Like, like they might when have only don't, scored 29 but, but points. When you don't have any other offense than just running it for six yards a carry, you know, you're going to have it for a while. You're going to run the clock down. And that's, but that's hard to stop if you're running at five, 5.3 yards per carry. It's yeah, a first it's, down every it's two not plays. A, it's not a sustainable model of football is my point. Oh, It has it, been. It, it, has it, been. It, it actually, I, I think they're it the, is. They're the only team in the country it, that not, can play like this problem, and, and consistently. Like No they, no team has oh, stopped that run, running oh, attack this but, year. But I will say Ohio State, well, Ohio State yesterday, I know we're not going to talk about around the country, but Ohio State yesterday against Penn State tried running the football and it did not work. But they stopped. They did a pretty good job of stopping Penn State from running the ball. And Penn State's a good running team this year. And I think if Ohio State can just do enough of making sure Quorum doesn't basically, if you do, because Michigan State didn't stop Quorum, but they came pretty. They came out as close as you can well, get Jim, to. Jim Harbaugh is now forty and one when he has a back rush for more than a hundred yards. So I think that's Ohio State's main goal. I think their goal. That's every team's goal. I, I mean, stop. it's just I think Ohio State can do better than what State did. And at that point, and their offense is unreal. I think I I, I don't know how Michigan is going to win in Columbus this year, but that's just, I don't know. I think I don't know. Yesterday it looked like Michigan State in the first half. I'm going to get angry when I talk about fourth and fourth and inch, fourth and one, fourth and less, fourth and less than a yard, and you're snapping it out of the shotgun. Why? Because I honestly would love to sit down with Jay Johnson, and ask him why Peyton Thorne was in the gun on that play. You're, you're setting yourself up for failure. Sure, it should have already been a first down and third down. Yes. I also laughed my butt off on the spot on third down, and then immediately on fourth down they gave it to State, and then I knew they're going to call it back anyway, so they're going to review it. But it's just like it's nauseating. And then you run a delayed handoff, and I was, was the snap count off? Is That's that what they, what they said. No, it wasn't. I guarantee you it wasn't. Yeah, no. Because Jaden Reed BS. was where he was supposed to be. Everybody was where they were supposed to be on that play. Re- Berger just didn't have the time because they called a delayed handoff. Think, How about you QB sneak it for once? You, it works about 90% of the time. I th- you, I, when he said that, I, I when he was referring to players not getting off, I think it was linemen that didn't get off. On, I think the backs. They didn't get off all night. I don't, yeah. I don't believe that. But, I mean, yeah, they're just slow. But you mean to tell me Elijah Collins can't put his head down and get a yard right there? There's just, I mean, and again, hindsight is twenty. I mean, I mean, when you get the ball and you're getting hit by three people, no, I don't. No, think well, that's because that's, 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 that's you, that's you, that's you do a counter, and that's so dumb to do. And they did that against Wisconsin when they went for it on fourth and one from the red zone. They do it constantly. And the exact same thing happened. Yeah. And at some point, we have to realize the definition of insanity on this coaching staff, and it's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. It's so stupid, and I'm tired of seeing it. And Matt, I do want to. Touch on your point on the spot on third and fourth down, horrible. I thought the referees and and it's and it's and it's, and it's not a, a, an excuse. And it's easy for a fan to come on and say, "Oh, the refs were terrible." Ugh. Those refs were really bad last night. I think it was a little one sided towards Michigan. Um, I think the 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 third and fourth down spots started a just downwards trend for Michigan State with uh, referee calls in that game. The roughing, the passer calling JJ that McCarthy was, was a Abysmal. They, I feel like they stop Michigan on that drive if they don't get that call. Um, and and, and the, the third and fourth down spots, I don't know how you mess that up that bad on back-to-back <laughs> snaps on the like for the opposite team. It was just unbelievable to me. But to, to go back to your point, Matt, and I knew you wanted to uh, take a shot at the coaching staff, and everybody does, 
Um, oddly enough, now we want Jay Johnson fired instead of Scotty Hazleton. Hazleton had a good game, so he's back here for another year at least. And, and he's Jay, at least got another Jay, game. Jay Johnson's on the hot seat now until next Saturday. Um, but, it, it, you know, how perfect for Michigan State, too. The offense has been respectable all year and been one of the only positives um, as compared to the defense, at least. And then it just completely flips in this game, um, which you can't help but feel like maybe if it was the other way around, you know, the, it's a very different story. But um, the thing that bothers me the most is kind of what I referred to with the definition of insanity and the fact that we can't keep doing the same thing over again and expect a different result. And, and, and you know, the, the, this game starts and, and – I knew from that first drive we'd be able to tell whether Michigan State was going to be in this game in any remote capacity or not. And they were. They get the ball to Berger, who runs it for six or seven yards. They get the ball to Reed on back-to-back plays in space, and he runs for positive yards. And I said, get the ball to Jaden Reed all game. You need playmakers in this game. You need guys like that who are going to make big plays. Get it to him in space. He can make guys miss. He can bust open a big play disappeared after literally the first series. Literally the first three plays, never saw Jaden Reed again. Wasn't returning punts, wasn't returning kicks. Well, Michigan punted once, and it was late in the fourth. He fair caught it. Yeah, he did return punts. I don't know. I'd be honest, he should be returning kicks, but from what I saw, he wasn't, he was not getting open down the field. He just wasn't. Keon Coleman wasn't, was the only one that was able to create any separation. Even, even sometimes they were just throwing it to him, even when he was covered. But Jaden Reed, in space, he was like, he had a few plays where he, he was able to to break free, but um, they had a lot of um, they had a lot of help over the top helping. But the the game plan went away. It, it was clear on that first series they were fine with getting it to read at the line of scrimmage and go do your thing. We never saw that again. Yeah, and it, also, worked, fir- it worked for like ten total yards in the first two plays. And then, but then you get the unsportsmanlike, and then you get two other penalties, and then you're playing behind the. It's third. I mean, the 30, drive, so the drive like, immediately I stalls think, uh, on the unsportsmanlike I, conduct, which is just I, a perfectly yeah. on brand for Jared Horst. I but think we've learned in the last two games, at least I've noticed between Michigan and Penn State, because I haven't watched a lot of Michigan this year because their schedule is garbage. So I refuse to watch them play Colorado State. I just won't watch them. And um, between them, the last night in the Penn State game. You have to let them have the ball first to start the game because when they come out of the second half, all they do is just eat. Like they, the last two weeks, they're getting in the third quarter, they've had the ball for like 12 of the 15 minutes. Like I know State didn't do anything, but when they, they go out, I think they kicked a field goal to start the second half they yesterday. Did, yeah. But they had the ball for like eight minutes. Like they they just, had the ball for less than seven minutes the entire second half. They walked, they, they Michigan, and Michigan does this every week. And I mean, it's hard to stop it other than just stop the run, which State just got no push. Like they just, I, I, yesterday was frustrating. Um, it, the play calling, like I said, was atrocious. You, I, I, there was just shaking my head a hundred thousand times. A lot of like, I, I also, and going back to the fourth downs, I am a firm believer that on fourth down, if you need a play to be made, you have to give it to your best player. Like last year, you can go for it on fourth and short and give it to Walker. But even then, Michigan State last year, I can think of a fourth and one play. Uh, against Michigan where they flipped it out to Naylor. They ran a trick play, and it ended up into a touchdown on the next play. Or they decided on, like, fourth and five when they threw it all the way to Reed towards the goal say, line. Yeah, they, uh, fourth they, and five and they threw from a the fade. 40. And they threw a fade. Yeah. Get the ball to your best players. 
and they didn't. And I just, it, it, and I, as Berger is a solid back. I think Collins is better, especially on the Berger short Berger has yardage. gotten better. He's, he's gotten put, better. He puts he, his head down more, runs when he, forward. Better, when but he, Collins when, when is, he has room, he's been solid. Yeah. He just hasn't really but had room. It just, it's so frustrating when it's like you're not putting yourself in the best position to win because your bread and butter is not running the football, especially against Michigan. Fourth and one, I thought, and they mo- like they circled him on the screen. They had Keon right up next to the line. I thought they're going to flip it out to him, and I think that would have been a much better decision. I would have been happier with that than trying to run it because you hadn't been able to run it all game, and you still couldn't run it. It's just, I, I, I've it's it's just frustrating. I, and I haven't really touched much on the game. the The only thing that I just two players, Keon Coleman is elite, and I don't think anybody can say he isn't. Xavier Henderson is the best player on this defense, and it is not remotely wow. close. Wow. wow. It is not remotely close. Wait, can you say that one He more? needed a map in coverage multiple times, gave up multiple first downs last night. And, and, and he had a force fumble, two, I get it, pa- I get two it. pass breakups, and like 11 solo tackles. I get he's it. A, he's I a have, leader, but I have, I I have the benefit of seeing that on the replay, on, on the broadcast, uh, you know, when you don't in, in person. And you're focused on the next snap, but he is objectively bad in pass coverage, and that's what that's with every guy on this defense. So is Amir Speed. So is Angelo Gross. You know, and, and so is Winman. Winman looked like a boy amongst men in pass coverage in that game last night. He couldn't keep up with anybody. Now, what, what the hell do we do with him now? You know, are we going to put him at linebacker? Are we going to put him at DN? Well, he's not exactly doing great on either side. Um, but I, I, I think there were there were a lot of times where what, what Henderson is really good at doing is redeeming himself within the same play. I've seen a, so many plays where he makes a mistake in coverage, that person gets the ball, and he makes a nice tackle right after. He makes a nice play after. He, 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 he improperly reads an RPO or something, and then he'll go get the running back, whatever it is. But he can't guard anybody and dropping back in coverage. I don't know. I don't care and, what you say. And, and this is this is just where I'm going with it. Obviously, my opinion has changed a little bit. With I'm extremely high and have I think very highly of how good Darius Snow is. Um, and Darius Snow is just a sound tackler. He's not going to blow people up. But he doesn't miss open field Michigan tackles. Michigan State looked like the Lions last night, the way they tackled. Yeah. He, Darius Snow does not miss tackles. And it's it's just putting it out there. Besides Darius Snow, uh, pretty much everybody on that team misses tackles. Xavier Henderson is the one who misses the least. Right. He doesn't miss very frequently. He doesn't try to blow people up. Yesterday, he ripped the ball out on Michigan's uh, second drive. They were coming. They got a field goal. They were oh, coming down to first, score. It was our first drive. Oh, it was our yeah, it was. Drive. It was opening drive. Yeah. yeah. So, well, also, I fr- I don't know if it was X that had the hit, but can you imagine how different that game is at the start of the second half when Blake Corum that ball pops out and it's he Kendall gets Brooks. he gets the luckiest bounce of his life and it just comes right back to him. I- imagine if that's a turnover for Michigan. I mean, to be honest, I they also didn't they got even if they get the ball. They didn't move. They didn't get a right. first down. I mean, yeah, quarter. but it's it's, well, it's I mean, a momentum thing. It's a, we're playing the what if game. You know, it's it's, it's just, momentum. They changed there at like the fifty. Yeah. My my biggest takeaway from yesterday was the defense did enough to win that game. 20, giving up twenty nine in that game, especially holding the five field goals. I agree. I think and the, the one and the, and the second touchdown was off a turnover or the the punt. Yeah, which, the the stupid they the, get it at the, the six. The, yeah, yeah. So at that point, that's not even on the defense at that point. Um, Can we shout out Bryce Behringer for that one? That one and, and then he, get the punt off. Yeah, the snag. Pat that, McAfee you know, was giving hey, him love. We're, yeah. we're gonna talk MSU hoops. Could 
Bryce Berenger looks like he could maybe go up and get boards for the Spartans. <laughs> yeah. But I think the the defense did enough to win that game. The offense, the entire game I was watching, I was like, the offense guy got to do something here. Get the turnover, the fumble on Michigan's opening drive. Got to put up points here. They don't. You go out and you, you obviously got that one touchdown with Keon. It's like, all right, are they going to keep doing this? No. Are they going to give the ball to Jaden Reed? No. Get the. It just. I was just waiting for the offense to look live because I kept thinking they have a shot. They they can do this, and it was like, and they're not. They're holding them to field goals. Defense is doing its job. Similar to Maryland. It's just, it was that. similar to the Maryland game where it's just like this is just. I I'm waiting for this team, and Wisconsin was the closest we've got to seeing it of. All three units, or at least two units, because the special teams is a hit or miss every week, and you never know what's going to happen. Um, just offense and defense both showing up on the same day. Because there, pl- there have been games where the offense shows up, but it doesn't matter. Or Actually, I'm going to ask a question real quick. Has the offense actually been good in most games this year? Most? Like, truly? No. Like, tr- like the, yeah, the defense sucked against Minnesota, but the offense didn't do, didn't do anything either. But, oh, but the defense gave up 500. It doesn't matter. We're not going to score any points anyways because our offense – can't move the ball. Like, I honestly think the I offense, think they've shown flashes they haven't put I think together. Last yeah. night, I'm happy last night happened, honestly, because now it's putting light on the offense. that It hasn't been that good this year. I understand Michigan's got a great defense, but still. Like, there have only been flashes of the offense being good this year, and it's just the defense finally did its job to the point where you can realize that the offense has, a, has blame to take. It hasn't just been on the defense this year. And I want to – I I was – I thought Peyton Thorne was going to actually have – negative seconds in the pocket yesterday. The offense time, I mean, he got sacked a couple times. You got to find somebody yeah, open, though. You yeah. Know? The, the offense, throw it away. Throw it to Keon. Yeah. the off- Keon down there somewhere. That's. I mean, that's true. They aren't 50-50 balls, according to Keon. But, They're um, not. And he's right. He's he's right. They're just not. So He's just he's so big and so fast. Yeah. But, no, I mean, offensive line I thought was going to get exposed extremely bad yesterday. The they pass protection has been pretty good all year. Yeah. I was going to say, pass protection looked really good. Michigan's got good edges, especially. It's the run, though. They, yeah. They can't no, the do anything. The run blocking is run so block- bad. I mean, if you look at it, the run blocking wasn't actually that good last year. Kenneth Walker just that's what I'm saying. Yeah, go anywhere. Right. Where that's where I guess if you want to make that's the, where I think Ken's better than Blake Corum. I would say if you want to make the Corum thing, Corum's offensive line light years ahead of Michigan State's offensive line last year, and I still think both of them are good backs. Yeah, but. Anyways, we've got a little bit more Michigan State football you after the break. We've been on the air for a long time. We'll step aside for a moment. A lot to talk about after everything that happened last night, the fight on the field, the fight off the field after the game. We've got it all here on the Green and White Report on WDBM. Welcome back to the Green and White Report here on East Lansing, live in East Lansing, on East Lansing, wow, in East Lansing, live from the Impact 89 FM studios. Uh, it's Brennan Shabath, Zach Slowick, Liam Jackson, Matt Merrifield, your crew uh, for today's show. Uh, we are going to get into some Michigan State basketball. They play their first game of the season. It's an exhibition against Grand Valley State on Tuesday. Um, very excited for the hoop season to start. But we did get a question on Twitter from one Luca Maloney uh, that says, question for the crew, at what point does Tucker go into specifics about execution? This isn't the first time he's referenced this after a loss. Is it the players or coaching staff that have lacked execution? I tweeted about this last night after Peyton Thorne said, Michigan beat Michigan State. We didn't beat ourselves. 
um, crazy words to hear from him to me. And I, the most disappointing thing, in my opinion, about this season is the lack of accountability and how bad the post-game press conferences have been from Mel Tucker and company. Tom Izzo, you take for example. There's a reason he's been here for 30 years, and it's not just because he's a winner. It's because he's a good coach, and he says the right things. He'll go into a post-game press conference and take accountability for his team playing bad, for him coaching bad, for decisions, for mistakes, whatever. I do not see that from this coaching staff in any capacity, and for them to come out here, Tucker, every after every single loss and say it's not a schematic thing, it's it's an execution thing, it's a skill thing, to basically just admit that they don't have as skilled a roster, as much talent as some of these other teams, is probably correct. They're right. But also, at some point, you have to realize that what you're doing doesn't work. The soft zone doesn't work. The delayed handoffs don't work. The counters don't work. The dumb play calls on fourth and one that we saw last night, they don't work. You have to try something different. And so at what point are we going to see better execution? And I think Luca brings up a great point. It's not the player's execution. You, you're you given the play call. you got to go out there and do it. You have to set these guys up for, for success with better play calls. And to me, this is just unbelievably annoying to see these coaches come out after these games and just say all the wrong stuff and not like, do they realize we're watching? We are watching these games live in front of us. And to go out there and say uh, it, it, it's 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 not a scheme thing, it's an execution, and to suggest that there's not going to be any personnel changes. And then, oh, there are going to be personnel changes, but then there aren't defensively. It's the same guys out there making the same mistakes and, and the same guys getting picked on in pass coverage and they still can't cover anybody. At what point does this change? It, this is really worrying to me for the future because at some point, Liam, you referenced it earlier, this is a program that is trending in the right direction. Obviously, last season was a great season for Michigan State. This season is not going the same way. But this is a rebuild that's in the process. The recruiting is in the right direction. I think the the program additions, they've made stadium upgrades. You know, there's better facilities and stuff. And, and I think it is trending in the right direction. But it's worrying to me the the attitude and demeanor that this coaching staff has, like in the future when Michigan State does have a good football team and they do have skilled guys and they do have the talent to hang with the Michigan and Ohio State and the Penn States. And, and are we going to see the same thing in two or three years when, when, when this is a good football team? And, oh, it's not, it's not scheme, but, but it really is. And so I don't know where they go from here if that's the attitude they have that we just need to execute better. You need to coach better. They got out-coached drastically in the second half. This was the first time I've seen Jim Harbaugh out-coach a Michigan State team. And they did it in the second half. And I, I, I hate this stuff from Tucker and Thorne after the fact. For Thorne to say that it's just a complete lack of competitiveness and spirit. And I've we've known all along that this guy is not a good leader on this team. I don't think he has any control over this offense, over that locker room. I don't think he gels well with the players. I think there's personal beef left and right that we're not hearing about, and that's just speculation for me. But it, it, this, is, uh, this is such a bad look all around. We need better stuff in these post-game press conferences. I need something to change before I really start believing in this team again. And that that right there is part of the reason why I am so much higher on 
Xavier Henderson because I think the main issue with Michigan State's team is a lack of leadership in the coaching in on both sides of the ball and no, none None of you out of the three people sitting at this table can tell me that Michigan State's defense hasn't looked better the two weeks with Xavier Henderson compared to the the weeks before. And that's because there's leadership in that secondary. The guys who maybe aren't as gifted, um, aren't as physically large, and aren't as fast as some of these other players. Charles Brantley had a pretty good game yesterday. Yeah. Um, Ronald Williams played the whole second half, uh, and he is somebody who has – had a decent amount of struggles throughout the year. He looked pretty good in that second half as well, but I don't know how you can have no accountability and say it isn't scheme. When Keon Coleman had three catches for over 100 yards in the first half and you target him, or four catches, and he gets one catch in the second half. Okay, I I don't, the accountability thing, I, I just, I truly believe that behind closed doors, they, he is not happy with what is going on. And Mel, speaking of Mel, and he also, in a presser this year, said he was a horse, S-H, whatever, football coach. And I feel like he has taken accountability. He just won't I, He won't publicly throw players or coaches under the bus, which I don't think is the worst thing. You he, can, might, he might, I don't think he, like, I think he just tries to say, he's very good at coach speak most of the time. He says, comp, he talks about complimentary, complimentary football and execution. That's to, buzzwords he loves to talk about, and I'm sure he believes that, but I'm saying I don't. I don't think that he is the type of person that will go and make a statement that his players can look at, his coaches can look at, and media and people on social media can throw back at their face. I just don't. I think that that's, I don't. I think that he's just being calculated in what he's saying. That's not what we're asking for, though. I, I, I'm I asking for I'm him just, to be a human being instead of a robot after these press conferences. Like the coach speak is dumb. I hate coach speak. So, the reason I like being in a time as a press conference is because he talks like a human being. I agree. I'm just saying. I'm. I'm saying this. Uh, like. I don't. I don't think that this is what he's telling his team. I don't. I think that that he understands the problems. He understands these issues. I don't think he's going. I don't think that um, this criticism. I get as like a media member. I I wish he would talk more too. I love Tom Izzo press conferences. They're awesome. It's a lot. It's a lot of fun because he actually. You know, he's speaking his mind. I just. I. I just don't think Mel will ever do that, and because that's just. He also, like. Coming up under Nick Saban, Nick Saban, I guess recently Nick Saban's been saying, talking more in in uh, to the media. But you know, like he he's the type of guy that would just uh, yeah. Saban was the same way. Yeah, he would never he would never talk about his like bad about his team or players publicly. But I, I'm I'm sure he's getting after those guys, and I'm sure that that they are going to work hard this week, and they are going to run and practice is not going to be fun for those guys. And go ahead, man. I'm, I, sorry. I'm sorry. I just my biggest I least the thing I think is the biggest issue this year, especially compared to last year is I know everybody likes to talk about how there's better talent than when D'Antonio was a coach here. I I would agree. I, I mean, I don't remember the last time Michigan had stayed a player like Keon Coleman on their roster. Yeah. But um, they're missing the Connor Haywards. The guy, like, D'Antonio did a good job of games like last night where State would go out and play tough-nosed football, and they were, Michigan State rarely lo- lost. It's a grit, it's, it's a grit it, it, it thing. It was a grit thing, and losing a guy like Connor, obviously Henderson's back. When he was off the field, there was a big difference, and we've seen a big difference in the defense when he's back. But just there's, there is no leadership, and that's frustrating to see because you are in year three now with Mel Tucker. There have been guys that have been under Mel Tucker for three years. They should be taking the reins, and they're not. And it doesn't – There's there's not only no leadership on the field, it doesn't – 
feel like the same leadership as the first two years from the coaching staff. It feels, and whether they're publicly doing it or not, it feels very finger pointy and here are the issues and you know whatnot and it's not it's not scheme or whatever and like yes it is obviously it is we can see it we're watching it could be both football. But yeah. i mean yeah it, it, it is a little you bit can't of both go out and i say think it's, it's not scheme like right it, and i think it's i think it's death by a thousand cuts what and you, what would you rather him say though cuz if he doesn't if he does if the alternative is him either throwing players or coaches right under the bus. No, and and that's what I'm just. Like I, you can take. You're the head coach. You can take accountability and throw yourself under the bus. He, and and he it's has. it's more yeah. than just saying he's an he's an horse ass football coach. It's more than that. You can go out there and explicitly say, "I made the wrong play call in fourth and one. I we should have kicked the field goal instead of going for it." I made this mistake. It's I'm not asking him to throw Jay Johnson under the bus and start beef in the locker room, but be accountable in the fact that you can respect fans and media members who are watching this game. He makes he makes the media members who ask these questions sound like they're dumb questions, and they're not. They're absolutely not. He's been asked about personnel and about scheme every game since the Washington game, and he gives the same answer every single time. How has it not changed in four losses? And the, the only thing that I would like to say is we're complaining about him not, like, not saying certain things and not saying certain other things, but like throwing other people or like pointing fingers at other people is the reason why I cannot watch a Brian Kelly press conference right. because he is somebody who will point the finger. Oh, it's never me. It's always oh my, our offense of coordinator, our offensive line, our our quarterback, whatever. He's always pointing fingers, and that's why I am not a Brian Kelly fan. Now we're. Tucker, his Monday press conferences are normally much more in depth because he can sit down and watch the game again. And I, he, he I, hates I, talking about the game if he hasn't seen the film. Exactly. So, like, I get not wanting to come out and write thirty seconds after a, a game is over or thirty minutes, and you're sitting and you're just t- talking, and then you go watch film. And you're like, oh, that's not right, and then you look dumb. So, I get him wanting to watch the game, and his Monday conferences normally are more. But yeah, like Saturdays, like. Especially after a loss, I don't know what you want him to say without like actually seeing the game. Sorry, he just like he he sees it from field eye view. So there's stuff he hasn't seen on the other side of the field, and he's got a headset on, so he's being told what's happening. So his eyes, his ears, there's a lot of stuff that might kind of contradict it. After he watches the game, normally he has a lot more stuff to say about it, uh, but he is not somebody to point fingers, and I appreciate that. I don't want a coach. If to, I wouldn't want to play for a coach that pointed fingers and blamed, but there does need to be accountability, and I think it comes from the locker room. I think there needs to be more leadership on the offensive side of the ball, on special teams. Uh, defense, I thought all year, Xavier Henderson comes back, and I'm not saying the problem is fixed. They still let up 29 points. It was 29 points to a very good offense, but like, it just shows you how drastically of a change you can have from Say the Washington, the Minnesota, the Ohio State games, and then like to what or Wisconsin and Michigan, that defense was a night and day difference. And the only thing that changed was Xavier Henderson came back. They got their leader back, and well, it, they also it was a, and, and it they was also a change. Had Kendall Brooks and Jacob Slade, which were both played better. Like, well, Kendall Brooks played really good. Slade's, Kendall Brooks didn't play against Wisconsin either, though. 
I'm t- I know, but yeah. I'm just saying he came back yesterday, and then Jake, Jacob Slade. You might not fill up the stat sheet, but he stuffs up a lot of holes in yeah. the middle. And he's an All American. He was a preseason All American. He's a very good. Like that's a huge cog in that defense. I get what you're saying. He's, yeah, Henderson's the vocal leader, but there's still players that. This the, is the healthiest that the defense has been since week one. Yeah, no, and I and I'm not talking as the, a whole for the defense, but more for the secondary. That secondary has looked so like so much better just in the last two weeks. And you can say it's, you could say they changed the scheme, they switched, they did that. But to me, it's like, yeah, they did do that, but they were trying to do that before and they weren't successful. They bring one guy back and they're much more successful. I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to give anybody credit where it isn't due, but I think Xavier Henderson is the difference, and that's why I think he's been the best player on their defense the past two weeks. Well, we'll see what Tucker says in his Monday press conference. Hopefully that one's better than the one we we got last night. Uh, You're listening to the Green White Report on WDBM East Lansing. Michigan State hoops, like we talked about, they're coming up on Tuesday, an exhibition against Grand Valley State, who they also played last year, beat 83-60. to Um, one thing that I I we found interesting uh, was the close scrimmages. This is a kind of newer thing in college basketball, as far as I don't I don't know how long they've been doing close scrimmages. Uh, it could be a very long time. Maybe they were better at keeping the secret than before. Most teams kind of advertise the fact that they're scrimmaging each other now. Michigan State took on Tennessee last week. The close scrimmages, you know, they, they they treat them like games. And we saw video footage both from Tennessee and from Michigan State. You know, these guys are fully dressed. They've got their sleeves on and their wristbands and whatnot. Um, and, and they treat it like a game. As far as my understanding, they play two halves. And, you know, each team has however many timeouts and stuff. Um, but uh, reportedly from people who were at that scrimmage or have good knowledge of it, Michigan State lost by seven, which is a – positive because Tennessee was a very good team last year. They're going to be very good this year. Um, And we heard something about Tennessee and Gonzaga, who also had a close scrimmage that apparently Tennessee won. And again, all of this with a big grain of salt because we don't actually have any idea and it's never going to come out the actual score because, and it doesn't really matter either because it is a close scrimmage. That's even less than an exhibition. Um, But it, it, it is our first chance on Tuesday to take a look at this Michigan State team. Um, and it's always interesting um, as a fan and as a media member watching the exhibitions because it's hard to take a lot away. You can't put too much stake into what you see. They're going against a Division II opponent in Grand Valley State who's decent in the GLIAC and stuff like that. But um, there are some things that, you can look out for, um, and specifically for this Michigan State team. So I want to get your guys' thoughts, what you're looking out for. The thing I'm paying the most attention to is who gets the bulk of the minutes at the five, who plays the best with the minutes that they have at the five, um, and then just the regular basketball stuff. They shouldn't turn the ball over against Grand Valley State. They shouldn't have sloppy passes. Um, They shouldn't have defensive lapses in coverage. I think we're probably going to see a little bit of this zone that we're hearing about that they're, that they're trying, that Tom Izzo says they're going to use a little bit more this year. I'm interested, really interested to see how that works, um, how Grand Valley State is able to score at all against this zone. Um, but I am ecstatic that we do get college basketball this week. It's, it's, it's my favorite time of the year. Um, soon enough, there will be nothing but college basketball on on my TV 24-7 pretty much. Um, but what are you guys looking for in, in, in this game on Tuesday? Um, like I think 
you mentioned the five is the biggest question mark. I wonder if Sissoko is going to get um, the bulk of those minutes or if they choose to, to go in a different direction and play smaller maybe. I think that could be interesting with a lot of shooting. Um, in terms of the season, I really think that this is a going to be a guard-led team. I think A.J. AJ Hogard um, could really be one of the better guards in the country, um, <coughs> one of the better leaders in the country. He proved at the end of last year that he had the highest assist uh, percentage in the country last year, which is very impressive. Um, and I think I'm, I'm curious about the zone. I don't know. I, I feel like we hear this every year, so I don't know, but it seems like it's not usually this close to the season. It so. seems like a more official thing this year, yeah, doesn't so, it? So you know? we'll see. We'll see. It, um, seems, it seems like usually we get like 10 or 15 games in, and then Izzo starts bringing up the zone, and maybe it's this experimental thing. And I think it the vibe I'm getting from it is that it's something he's tried to implement and work on and tinker with in the off season, which means he plans to use it this year. And I think he's realizing the lack of defensive skill down low at the five, which does not bode well for Big Ten play. Um, And so this is probably a counter to that. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes against Grand Valley. We'll see how it goes against Northern Arizona. And eventually they'll kick off uh, this just daunting non-conference schedule, um, which I'm very excited for. But yeah, I, I I'm not a big zone defense guy. I don't love it. I think as an offensive player, zone defense you should be able to score on almost every play. But if it's executed right and you've got good athletes out there, it can be beneficial. Yeah, one quick thing. I just think I'm gonna I'm mostly interested because Michigan State's always prided itself on defensive rebounding and just rebounding in general. In in a zone, um, generally it's you're not in the most. Um, in the best position to get defensive rebounds and in, in, in run uh, in transition. So that, that was kind of interesting to me. It's kind of antithetical to what um, Thomas has done his whole career. I'm also interested to see, obviously, playing a smaller lineup this year. Like, I know it can work. Like, obviously, Villanova's done it for years. Usually, Jay Wright's team, I know he retired this year. And Baylor, too. The- ba- Baylor's not a, has, not, has not been yeah. a big time match. And I think State has the guards this year to do it. I, that's what, that's, I'm just excited to see. The first thing I'm going to be looking for on Tuesday when they play Grand Valley is um, A.J. Hogard shooting the basketball. If he can shoot threes this year and make them, uh, I don't know what he shot last year. It wasn't very good. It was not good. It was not good. And, teams, and it wasn't high volume either. But. but I know, but it was when you have a team playing eight feet off of you and it's, he was you, a, he, he was a guy who you would wince when he would shoot. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah. and and if he can, like everybody has him as a breakout guy. If he can shoot the ball this year, I think he could be an All Big Ten player That's, without question. I, it's just can he shoot the ball? I, and the thing that I would like to see from Hogar, I don't necessarily think shooting the three is something like obviously the three is a huge part of the game. But if he could, he's but, so he's so elite right. at driving. If he could just hit pull up right. jumpers from right. mid range, all these guys he be would able to do. Be unbelievable. Right. All, all I'm asking is that the team does the opponent isn't playing eight feet off of him. Like, right. As long as you're not a detriment, that he, to the he garners yeah. that respect. Right. Yeah. Give just make them respect you as a shooter, and guess what? You'll get to the basket even more. And that's and that's yeah. something and I'm then, a little worried about for Michigan State this year is their ability to shoot, and, and they were pretty successful with it last year. They had designated shooters they first in the Big Ten. I mean, I, I think for for I don't know if they finished first in the Big Ten in three point percentage, but for a while they were shooting at a forty percent clip from deep, and, and they were number one in the Big Ten for a a stretch. 
Um, and, and it was a weapon for them. Hauser shot the ball really well towards the, the, the final stretch of the season last year. You have designated shooters in Gabe Brown and Max Christie on the wings. Tyson Walker is going to have to shoot the ball more. He shot it fantastically last year, but he's going to have to shoot it more this year. I wouldn't be surprised if we see percentage-wise a dip from him. But they don't have a designated knockdown shooter. And to have just one of those on your roster can be very beneficial and can win you. You can steal two or three games over the course of a 30-35 game season with a guy like that. Um, and that can be huge for Michigan State in a Big Ten season where we don't really know who the favorite is. You know, Indiana looks good. Michigan has Hunter Dickinson, but who else do they have? I don't know. Ohio State is always kind of a sleeper in the Big Ten, and they end up usually being pretty good. Um, we don't know what Illinois is made of. But this is this is a very open Big Ten at the moment. Um, but not having a shooter like that kind of worries me. Maybe someone steps out and becomes that kind of guy. Maybe Hauser plays a lot more on the perimeter offensively and it's drive and dish with the guards that Michigan State has and Hauser's open and actually shoots the ball because he is a good shooter and he needs to shoot it more than two, have more than two three-point attempts a game this season. But I, I do worry a little bit about that no designated kind of sharpshooter in the corner, Gabe Brown, Max Christie type thing. Yeah, and I'm excited. I, I think kind of where this conversation started with the where who's going to play the five? Uh, I don't think it's out of the question that Malik Hall or Joey Hauser plays the five. I think they could run really small, play with those two forwards, and then eventually, obviously, Akins is going to be back. Timeline I don't think is quite positive on that. Um, he's listed as six four. Brennan, you're six four. I'm pretty positive he's bigger than you. <laughs> I think he's more like six six. Right. Um, Jaden Akins. I don't think he's six. I don't I'm think he's six six. He, Shout out Jay Nakins in my IH class. Um, he, I know. He, so, I don't know. He, I'll, he I'll, looks, try to, I'll try to yeah. sneak yeah, a, yeah. sneak a pick at some or, point. Or you just need to, to like walk other. next to him and right. like catch a peek. Um, Tyson Walker, and then uh, I, obviously I think Hogarth's probably going to be running the one. Um, so I, I could definitely see that kind of the way that it could go. I mean, Hogarth. I guess you could put at him or Akins at the three, and Hogarth's just going to bring the ball up. But. Yeah. The interesting thing about the small ball idea to me is is you have to you have to think about it from a mathematical perspective and and we saw Michigan State be successful with this against Hunter Dickinson in the Breslin Center last year where they were content on letting a better big, a more skilled big than whoever they could match up with defensively get their 25, 28, 30 points from two feet around the basket and just take a bunch of twos and limit the threes. But that only works if you're giving up a bunch of twos, if you can score more points on the other end. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying. I don't know if they're going to have the shooting capabilities this year to make that a viable option. I think they can end up just putting themselves behind in some games where they let a big like Trace Jackson Davis, like Hunter Dickinson, go off for a you know four-minute stretch and get 8, 10, 12 points right here, and then all of a sudden they're down that much or more, and you don't have the shooters to get back into it. You're not going to come down and shoot a three every single play and just try to beat them 3-2 to two on every single yeah. possession, 
But it, it, there is something to be said when you think about it mathematically and just the value of the points. And that I, it worked last year, and I liked that idea. I think it's great. I don't think there's any skill in basketball and being seven feet tall, 250 pounds, and just turning around and shooting a little jump hook from two feet away. I think you should make that shot every time, especially if you're Hunter Dickinson. You're not good at basketball. Stop talking smack. But that's neither here nor there. We'll get into that when he comes into town. Um, but it, it did work last year for MSU. I don't know how much it can work this year if they go with that same idea. The one thing we have to see when that happens is if it doesn't work, does the game plan change mid-game or does it stay the same and they just are behind the curve the whole game? And I think, first off, we saw Hunter Dickinson in Ann Arbor yesterday driving on the back of a golf cart. Nobody cared that he was there. I was about to say, did you almost puke? Like nobody, nobody, like none of the fans, none of the students. Like he was just riding down the street. And nobody, I have so much disdain nobody, for him. Nobody was like, fan. nobody was like, woo, we're like cheering him on. Like I was talking to Liam. I was like, could you imagine if Cassius Winston, when he w- was here, rode on the back of a golf cart? People would be going insane. Um, that's just East Lansing is a better city. Uh, <laughs> but I'm the one player that I, I'm really excited about coming into this year. Um, and he's probably the one I'm most uncertain about is Pierre Brooks. I think Pierre Brooks is going to play a very big role in this team. He's a guy who I think is a sleeper as that knockdown shooter. Yeah, because he can shoot. He's like a 3 and D guy. So, And that could be something, especially coming off the bench. Um, he could start with Aikens out. I don't think anyone really has an idea. Obviously, we'll know more on Tuesday. Um, but... I'm excited for him. He's got that big frame, and if you're going to go small ball, he's a nice guy to have because he is 6'6". He's not 6'4". He's not 6'3". He's not 6'1". So he, he's bigger, but he's not huge. Um, I mean, and then obviously Hogart and Hall are both 6'9", so not monsters, but they're up there. Well, be tuned all season long to WDBM for all your Michigan State men's basketball coverage. It should be a fun season. Um, I want to segue into... Our little Detroit sports roundup, because there's three Detroit teams playing right now. Uh, they all stink. Uh, maybe not the Red Wings, but uh, the Lions and Pistons sit at the same record right now at 1-5. and five. Uh, We'll start with the Lions, who we have talked somewhat extensively about uh, on this program through the first six games of the year, and I don't really want to talk about them anymore. They're 1-5. Uh, I don't. I, I, we're doing draft talk in October. It's a Detroit football tradition, the greatest tradition that we have. Um, I think Dan Campbell is a bad football coach. I think he is not the guy for this job. If we want the Lions to become a playoff team and become a contender again, and be and part of that is because I think this team is probably better than one and five. I think they have more skill uh, than what their record shows. But the reason they have that record is because of coaching. The, the, the coaching staff and the decisions this year have not uh, been great. Um, and so I you know, don't really pay that much attention to the Lions anymore. The Dolphins, uh, they're, they're, they're taking on the Dolphins today. I, I, I've got Miami in that one. It sounds like Amon Ross St. Brown, who suffered a concussion in that loss to Dallas, is maybe going to play today. Uh, for the Lions in about 40 minutes here, but I I just I'm I'm out on this team. I'm not investing my time and emotion until I see something from them. And at one and five, I haven't seen anything yet. I don't know how the Lions plan on keeping Waddle and Hill under 100 yards each today. Um, I don't see a way they win if those guys both. 
do that. Um, it's concerning. That's for sure. The Pistons are also one in five, and they take on the Warriors tonight. Liam, you are going to that game, correct? Yeah, I'm excited. Is it still a teal game? They did the teal yeah, last, uh, not last Friday night, night, Friday against the Hawks. And Cade, and another loss. Cade had his uh, career. Hey man, Cade, Cade looks great right now. Twenty three six and six are the averages on forty four percent from the floor. He had thirty five in that loss on Friday. And this is he's averaging those numbers on what supposedly was a bad start to the season for right, him. Right, exactly. Yeah, because he had one game with like twelve points, and then every game is efficient. He just his, he's a, he hasn't been as efficient until the last few games, but. I mean, now he's starting to, he's starting to really. I don't I love, care. We I love got the best player. Shoulder. We got the best player in the draft class. He's a mid-range yeah. machine, um, and I absolutely love Kate Cunningham. I still love this Pistons team. I wish they picked up a couple more wins. Um, if they can't rebound the ball, they can't rebound over anybody. And then I was watching that loss to the Hawks, the first one, which you and I talked about that the weird scheduling that they have this year, where sometimes they play teams in back-to-back games at the same arena, but like on Friday and then Sunday or like Thursday and then Saturday. It's weird. Um, but in that first loss to the Hawks, Jalen Duran's not in at the end of the game. You're seven-footer, and they can't collect a rebound. They give up four offensive rebounds on one possession, and the Hawks are able to score and go up by four and win that game. Um, I don't quite understand that from Dwayne Casey. But the thing for the Pistons, start off the season 1-0, and now 1-5. and They've got the Warriors tonight. They've got the Bucks twice on the road, like we talked about, that weird, dumb scheduling thing, then the Cavs, and then the Thunder, both at home after that. It's not a great schedule moving forward to go into with a five-game losing streak. Where does this streak end for the Pistons? Maybe the Thunder, but the Thunder have been playing well. Right. So, I mean, I mean, they're not beating any of This is a Pistons team who we've seen beat the Warriors. We've seen them beat the Cavs. But I don't. Are they going to be one in ten? You know, this time next week. Yeah, and Victor Wembanyama may be my lock screen after that. <laughs> this isn't. Uh, this isn't the worst year to be bad because this could be a generational draft class. Both Vic and Scoot Henderson um, are like franchise altering talents at the top of the next year's draft class. But if I, as a Pistons fan, I'll be fine with another bad year record wise as long as we see. Um, Cade become that all-star, sub-all-star level player this year. Um, Jay Nivey has looked good already, but as long as, as he can, as, as he can uh, keep showing flashes. And uh, Duran has been good, but the, the players I'm worried about, Sadiq Bey seems kind of like an afterthought in this offense right now. He seems he like, seems tentative. Yeah, I, I thought Dwayne Casey said something really interesting after one of the losses. Yeah, that he has the green light. You need to ask. And him he why didn't. Sh- and he shot the ball like five times. And I, yeah, and it didn't seem like they. It doesn't seem which I get because they have so much. They have Cade, Ivy, Bogdanovich, who's been one, the best shooter in the NBA been, this year. Yeah. Um. So I think I don't know if it's stagger those minutes and let Sadiq run with the the second unit more. Um, to just feed him more shots. And then also Isaiah Stewart seems like if that three ball isn't falling, Duran is right on his tail uh, in the starting lineup. Uh, well, like he's only 18, but he's been – if he can handle those starter minutes, he might be a starter the, the soon Pistons have, as the youngest player in the NBA. The Pistons have two of the top five rookies through the first six games, I think, in the NBA from this most recent class with Ivy and Duran. I think they both have played really well. That's a pretty close, yeah. Yeah. Um, at, Paolo, if not five, Paolo, two of six or seven. Paolo has looked unreal. He, he's, he might be an all-star this year if he keeps us up. Right, yeah. And that's ridiculous. Which is which is crazy. I did hate to see his his poster. Who was that on? Against, yeah, that was on Kojo. Yeah. Uh, Corey Joseph. 
Joseph knows how good Paolo is. Right, exactly. But they lost that game anyways, but all I saw was the poster everywhere. I told Slowick and Merrifield, I told you guys last time we were on the air that I would report back on the Red Wings, went to that game over fall break on Tuesday. They're 4-2-2 two and two right now. Uh, the game that I went to was, unfortunately, the first loss of the season. I'm bad karma, and I think I jinxed it. Uh, they lost 6-2 to two to the Devils, who they had previously beaten 5-2 to two a couple days before. Uh, but Nadelkovic, who was in net, just looked awful, in my opinion. He made a really bad play. Uh, they were down 4-1 in the third period. The crowd was getting into it, trying to fight back. They made it 4-2, and 30 seconds later, he made a really bad decision on a puck that was kind of floating in front of him, went to make a play on it got tripped up with a New Jersey Devils forward, and they turned around and scored. And the game was pretty much over after that. Um, they added another one for insurance. But Huso might be the guy. Um, he had 30 saves last night in the, in the win over the Wild. Lucas Raymond had both goals. Um, I think Dylan Larkin is a fantastic player. But, man, it was just such a bummer because when Adelkovic got here, we heard great things from Carolina, who does have a very good defense. Um, but we heard great things about him and thought he was going to be very good but he just has not looked that way uh, through the first eight games this year. But of all the teams in Detroit, there's only one team with a winning record, and that is the Red Wings. Yeah, and, you know, I, I like to give Najalkovic a little bit – I don't want to say credit. No, Huso's the guy. I agree. Um, I don't think Najalkovic is, like, somebody who can't play in the NHL. I still think he's an NHL-level goalie. Um he does already have uh, a win and an overtime loss. He might actually have two wins um, and an overtime loss. But he hasn't looked great to start the year. But I do not mind rotating goalies early on in the year because you want somebody to get hot and then you want them to take over. But you don't want them to be gassed come game at 70 and they have nothing left if you're trying to make that playoff push at the end. So I don't mind on back-to-back nights. Have Huso play the first night, have Nadelkovic. But when you have like three-day gaps in, in the schedule, which doesn't happen frequently, but when you do, I think every game it's going to be Huso. I think, obviously, Iserman signed Huso and gave him the money as him to be the starter. But I still think, and I know Nadelkovic hasn't been great to start the year, but he has shown flashes, and to me, he... Can he, he can be a very good backup in this league, and the way I think Eiserman wants it to be ran, I don't know if he's letting, um, why is that coach of the wings name escape? Eric Lalonde. 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 He, I, I'm assuming it's Lalonde's discretion, but I'm sure, I think a 60-40 split between the two of them, because Huso has not ever had a full season as a starting goaltender. He took over the job for Bennington last year in St. Louis, but he's still, I mean, playing an 82-game season as a starting goaltender, obviously only going to play probably 50 of those games at most and it's just that's a lot so I think having a guy like Ned as a backup obviously didn't play well the other night but I think the goaltending situation honestly I don't know if it's a championship level goaltending situation right now but I know they have Kosa coming up who's going to be very good for them and I, I mean honestly 4-2-2 two and two to start the year I I've said before the year started they're going to compete for a playoff spot will they actually make it who knows the Atlantic is so tough right now but I think that what I'm seeing is what everybody has been expecting to see out of Detroit teams from pretty much everybody, because everybody's young and supposed to be getting good, and obviously the Lions, Tiger, Lions, Tigers, and Pistons have all fallen short to start the year. Lions yeah. have been very disappointing. I, think, I mean, they have been. Dis- My only thing, and I mean, I know we disagreed on this. I think it was two weeks ago about the Pistons. Even though no, I'm not going to say I expect them to be bad, 
this is what I expected out of them to be a young team. Like, I mean, I expected them to be able to pull out some of these wins, though. It's I mean, kind it's of early. a bummer. We're, we're, we're what? Six young games teams in, in the NBA usually just, struggle, especially yeah. young, young guards. Especially yeah. they have their two just, starting guards are I, I, twenty-one the, and the talent. 20, the oh, talent. I think I Sorry, you're so good. The uh, the talent is there for the Pistons. It just they're young. It's gonna take mm-hmm. time. So, but yeah, you can see the vision with the with the Pistons. Well, that's your Detroit sports roundup. Stick around to the Green and White Report on WDBM East Lansing. We've got the Pick'em coming up. A full slate of NFL Sunday on kind of a melancholy Sunday for the crew. Reeling a little bit after that Michigan State loss last night and all the post game festivities as well. But it's time to have some fun. We've got the Pick'em after the break. Stick around. It's the Green and White Report on WDBM. It is time, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for me, Brendan Shabath, to toot my own horn uh, because it's time for the pick 'em, and I'm winning. And I made a valiant comeback after a dismal first week from myself. Um, but the standings right now, through three weeks of the pick 'em for your boys, uh, I have a record of 23 and 18. Slowick, one game above 500 at 21 and 20. And Matt Merrifield is bringing up the rear, one game below 500 at 20 and 21. Liam Jackson is our guest picker today. The last time he was on here, he tried to fade everybody, and it worked out at a 4 and 10 clip for him. So, Liam, congratulations. Hopefully, a little bit better luck for you this time around. Let's get right into it. We have a lot to get to. This is a big slate of NFL games today. I originally threw on the Broncos and Jaguars. The Jags were favored uh, by two points. That was a 9-30 kick in Wembley Stadium in London. Uh, that game has gone final, so no pick there. The Broncos win that one 21-17. Let Russ cook, man. Danger Russ. Get the, get the danger rich. Good thing he's um, stretched on the plane. Yeah, I guess so. Man, that dude hey, is cooking. I He's my just a weird dude. my bones rattle every time I see something from Russell Wilson on social media on Twitter. He makes me so uncomfortable every time he speaks. I, it's it's just cringe machine from him, I, and I hate it. I did try the danger danger <laughs> Russ sandwich, the, the danger which witch. has been discontinued. No, it has been discontinued. Oh, the I, I the Italian herbs and cheese. They just the there's no Italian herbs and cheese at most. That's what I was talking uh, about. So I gave it a seven five with herbs and cheese. It'd probably be an eight five. It was pretty good. Commercial. Did you, was did you commercial feel? Dangerous? Did you feel dangerous after? I felt cringy. Nice. That's that's the feeling you're supposed to felt have. Felt pretty probably. low. Yeah. How does, it was pretty good though. Brennan, how does your feelings towards Russell Wilson compare to former host Trent Bally's feelings towards Aaron Rodgers? I I just I have so it's, much disdain for Russell Wilson. I don't know if it's the same for Trent and Aaron Rodgers. Shout but, out Trent. Would but, you give? Would you say Russell Wilson is prickly? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he is. It, it is. Can you it, define the, that? the cringe? Ma- the cringe material from Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers is kind of in the same vein as far as level of how much it makes me want to just shove my head into a hole and never watch either of them again every time they speak, but that's neither here nor there. We'll start with the hometown Lions. Uh, The Dolphins come into Ford Field. That's a 1 p.m. kick. Favored by three and a half. Um, I don't think the Lions cover this. I think the Dolphins win this game by 17 points. Um, I've got the Dolphins big time. I was gonna take Dolphins as well. Um, I, I Still kind of want to. I'm not going to because, uh, I don't know. Trent Trent texted Lions money line, and I'm afraid no one's going to take them. But 
I can't be the one though. Give me the Dolphins. <laughs> I wanted to so bad. It'll I be just, Liam. I, I we all know it's gonna yeah. be Liam. Liam will do go, it. Just go for go fun. ahead, Matt. Go with the blue and orange, and then Liam can take the, the Lions. Honest. No, I'm not. I'm not going with the. I don't. Okay, why do they call the Dolphins the fish? I mean, I thought, I, mean the, I thought they said fins. Well, they say fins up. I feel like I've heard them be called the fish too, because like the Marlins, like they just say it together. I don't know. Anyways, I don't like Miami. Uh, actually, I do like Miami, but uh, Lions are gonna win today. I don't know why. Shout out Trent. They have I, to. I not, hope. not only cover, they're gonna win. They're gonna win. I yeah. honestly think they're gonna win. Trent said Lions money line. Um, I can't. I can't pick against. See, that. see, and here's here's where I'm at now. I picked the Lions so many times. Now, if if the Lions win, then I'll just be happy. But if the Lions lose, at least I get a cover. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna go. Less. I'm kind of broken. Do it, I've been watching Will Anderson and Bryce Young highlights. Will Anderson, Miami. Screw Bryce Young. <laughs> <laughs> you taking the Dolphins? Yeah. He's the same height as Kyler Murray in the Heisman commercial. So that's either either they had Kyler on stilts or Bryce Young is tiny. <laughs> He's pretty small. He is pretty small. You know how I feel about Kyler. But once him and JMO uh, get back together in the field next year, it's going to be dangerous. What about What about Stroud and JMO back together? Ew. No, Ew. I don't want I, If C.J. Stroud is anywhere near this city next year, I mean, I'm not even a Lions fan. I still don't want He him. said it's up to God. Yeah. He, he just went like 23 for 26 against he's, Penn State. He's an Ohio State quarterback, and I know there's somebody at Impact that I would argue with to the end of earth about how good C.J. Stroud is, and he is wrong. I might, I might put up an, I might put up an okay stat line if I was throwing to Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, that too. Can, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> can they just draft him this year? I wish they could. It's like, hey, we'll take his stock this year and do the Larry him. Bird. I'll take him when he's ready. Yeah. Take right. him the year before. Right. Pretty much. Matt's the only one taking the Lions. Everybody else goes Dolphins at one minus pride. three and a half. Panthers at Falcons down in Atlanta. Falcons favored by four. This is a weird one. I don't know. I mean, the Panthers, they looked good against the Cardinals, and, and they just absolutely went to town. Uh, still dealing with the post-Matt Rule era. It's hard to judge a team that like basically doesn't have a head coach, essentially. Um Mariota, though. I like him. Give me the Falcons. So, you know, they you always get that bump after firing the head coach. Um, they lost the next game, though. They did, but it it, 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 it came. It kicked in. It, yeah, it was it, a little delayed. It was a the delayed, delayed bump. bump. Yeah. Which is a thing as well. Um, Baker Mayfield, I want to give him some credit. He's actually, for being as competitive as he is, he he's given P.J. Walker all praise. He's like, I'm just here to help him win. He's like, obviously, I want to play and compete, but... He played great last week, and I'm, there's no part of me that can go and just say I deserve a job when he played that good. Um, and saying that, I'm still going to take the Panthers. <laughs> I think they might lose by three. I mean... The game's going to be three nothing. This game, P.J. Walker starting for the Panthers, and I was sitting on the couch last night at our at front of the program, Hank and Nick's house, with the Teletubby... Nathan Stearns, former sports director or sports broadcast director here at Impact. Yeah, Stearns was a and Teletubby a, for Halloween. He was a Teletubby last night, and he said, "Man, if the Panthers win tomorrow, and I don't remember what he finished the statement, but I'm sure it was interesting." So <laughs> Panthers, <laughs> the Panthers are going to cover. So you can only imagine what Stearns said, but uh, Panthers going to cover. Liam, uh, I'll take the Falcons. I, I actually, I, I'm, I like the way Mariota's playing. Um, and shout out to Carter Landis, second best Oregon quarterback of all time. I learned a lot about the Falcons just through Carter. Number Are you one, talking about Bo Nix? Bo Nix. Oh, my goodness. I agree. <laughs> I had to apologize to Bo Nix on SRZ. As you should. Put some respect on his Bo Nix is him. Sure. Uh, QB1 from my year. mouth right to his ears, I'm sure. Yeah, he'll right. be a lion next year. Yeah, I, I hope uh, so. This next one is the freest money I've ever seen in my life. Bears at Cowboys. The Bears so absolutely 
punked the Patriots in prime time uh, this past week. The Cowboys favored by 10 points in this game. That's way too much for just an underwhelming Dak Prescott and a Cowboys team who is just poised to finish third in that division by half a game when this season hmm. is all said and done. Give me the Bears in this one. 10 points? Are you serious? Uh, a lot of points. 10 points, and they're missing their starting running back today. And I don't care what people say, Zeke is their starting running back. Pollard's better. Uh, Pollard is. Uh, they both have their role in the offense. Uh, Zeke is Zeke is kind of turned up the last two games. because well, He he, gets he will not be turning line. up today, uh, obviously, because he's not playing. Give me the Bears. I That's a lot of points, but it's in Dallas. The Bears still aren't good. Sorry, Jay. The Bears. And Justin on, Fields and will a, throw four passes. They're today. on a short, and it's not a short week. I'm give me Dallas. There's a reason it's ten points. Yeah, give me Dallas. I, I, I'm. I don't care that the cow or that the uh, Bears look good one week. I don't like. I don't think New England's good. I don't think the Bears are good. I think the Cowboys are. The Cowboys defense is legit. I don't yeah. think Justin Fields does anything today. Best coach in the NFL heads to Minnesota. The oh, Cardinals boy. at the Vikings. <laughs> I can't tell if he's being serious. Minus three and a half are the. Purple people eaters. Uh, I think this is definitely a Vikings win, and I think it's by seven or more. Um, they they're poised to win the NFC North. They're the, definitely the best team in the division. The Cardinals looked horrendous last week. Kyler Murray is not the same guy he was a year ago, two years ago. Uh, take your pick. Who used to be a fun quarterback to watch, not the same anymore. I, I'm taking the Vikings for sure. I already told everyone I refuse to pick Baby Yoda all year. Give me the Vikings. I. If the Cardinals would let Kyler run, I would actually feel confident. My he would we're gonna make, we're gonna make like Hank five, proud. It doesn't matter. He would be an MVP candidate. He when he they let him do his thing when they let Kyler cook. <laughs> How's that worked out for Lamar? It has worked out. He won an MVP. Pay that. Yeah, man. but look at their record. The Baltimore is better than the record show. They've they've had like the top. They're five and three. Baltimore, yeah, Baltimore could win that division. So they're gonna they, win. They the could division. be eight and zero, honestly. They could be. And I and they've fallen apart in the fourth. Kirk Cousins. Ravens. Kirk Cousins is playing at one o'clock at home on Sunday afternoon. You know what that means? Give me the Vikings. I'll take the Cardinals just for fun. I don't, nice. I, I, Funsies. I just and the Vikings are the best team in the North, but I still. Well, that's not hard. I'll right never. Now. Yeah, I'll never be like sold on on Kirk Cousins. Cardinal Cardinals yeah. wide receivers also. Yeah. That room is deep these days. It is deep. Shout out Hank Menegos, friend of the program. We've got three Vikings picks for you today against the Cardinals. Liam wants to fade. He's going to do his thing and lose. Uh, Raiders minus one and a half at the Saints. I don't know how I feel about this game. This is a weird one. I haven't watched either of these teams very much. The Raiders do have the – you want to talk about a team who's better than their record shows? The Las Vegas Raiders have had a bunch of close losses this year. Minus one and a half. This is a very close game. There's a lot of uh, very close lines today in the NFL. I'm going to take the Raiders. Best uniforms in the NFL. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Raiders as well. Second best uniforms in the NFL. They do not have the best or second best NFL uniforms in the NFL. Go with one. Go. Detroit Lions. Get No, no, no. I'm kidding. I like. I'm not kidding. I've always liked them. I like their old school ones when Chad Johnson was there. But I love the Bengals. I was uniforms. gonna say the Bengals, I think the Bengals yeah. uniforms are awesome. Okay, Matt. What do you got for the best the uniforms? Best uniforms the NFL. If he says the Indianapolis Colts, my no. headset will be thrown. No, so think, generic. 
Honestly, don't say Chargers. I think the Bills look good. Yeah, the, the Bills. Bills I mean, the Bills, Bills are it's, cool. It's clean. It's clean. The Chargers are blue. And I, and I, like the, I like the Niners. The Niners. Are the Giants throwback. Niners. The Ew. Niners, the Niners. I think it look. Clean. How many times am I going to see that off red and gold mix? College, pro, whatever. It's so boring. Yeah, they no. look like Iron Man. I, I like the Bengals. They're different. They're out there. Yeah. They're cool. Giants the Bengals. The white ones are cool too. I'm not going to lie. All right, Saints. They played on Thursday night. Got the extra break. Uh, I'll go with the Saints. Me too. At home, I think the Saints. Have, it's like it's the Saints have. Uh, is Jameis back? No, they're still starting Dalton. He's yeah, healthy, I'm, but they're Dalton's starting Dalton. Glad I'm though. taking the Raiders. Yeah, I think they'd be better with Winston. Under TCU, TCU legend Andy Dalton. Oh, you already know who I'm picking in this. The Horn Frogs. It's it's me and Slowick right now versus Matt and Liam essentially in the picks. Not Patriots until this one. Patriots minus two and a half at the Jets. Uh, is it going to be zappy hour today on Sunday? The Jets are all of the sudden the second best team in New York, which is actually a, they're five and two. So I mean, they look pretty they, good. They, the Giants are they six might and be, one. They, they lost. Well, well they the Buffalo's technically New York yeah. as well. well okay, well, so New York second, City, second best team in New Jersey. You mean? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, actually, oh, where does Rutgers fall in that? Yeah. Yeah. Is Rutgers better than the New York Jets? No, and you know what else? Billy or Bailey Zappi is not, not playing he's today. Not starting. No. Uh, it's Mac Jones. So J E T S Jets, Jets, Jets. Yeah, I'm here for that. Give I me think the people, Jets. People just choose not to watch when Bailey Zappi plays bad because he was horrible in the second half against the Bears. Yeah, Mac Jones has been horrible but forever. He, yeah, but he, he came, was a Pro Bowl. He came in and scored year. two touchdowns. Pro Bowls. Yeah. Okay. I don't think Mac Jones is good, but he he Bailey came. is more fun. I yeah, agree. Mac, jo- I don't like, Mac I don't Jones is a bad role like, model. Yeah, I don't like drink and drive kids. I don't like. I don't like Mac Jones, but. He came off. He was off for a month, and Bill Belichick had a very short leash on him. And then Zappy had two good drives, and after that, he was worse than than what Mac Jones was doing there. You mean the Bears' there. defense was good? No, I mean they played pretty true. good. Anyways, um, let's make sure both. The Jets are banged up. Brees Hall going down sucks. They lost Vera Tucker. Their I think he's their tackle. Left, their tackle, left yeah. tackle. Left tackle. That's tough. But they have Zach Wilson. They also just traded for a. Or James, signed a tackle. James, well, they, I know they traded for James Robinson. Yeah. I don't think he's playing. You can't there. wear that hoodie and not pick the Jets, I, I, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I pick the Jets every week, and that's going to continue all year long. Yeah, there we J-E-T-S, go. Jets, 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 Jets. Liam. I'll take the Jets, too. Yeah. Wow. wow. Sweet. You were talking all that about Mac Jones. <laughs> well, just, I mean, they're just both to mid. Be, they're just yeah, mid. They're, 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 Mac they Jones is just better than, yeah. than, than Bailey's happy. Uh, Steelers at Eagles. This is also free money. Minus 11. The Steelers look oh. so bad. Kenny Pickett doesn't know what a football is, even if it smacked him in the face. Eagles are the best team in the NFL behind the Buffalo oh. Bills. Give me Philly to cover the minus 11. I think Philly stays undefeated. So are they cover it? Yeah, <laughs> that's not the that's not the question. Bold take. <laughs> yeah. I think not only do they win this game, they win by twelve. Okay, okay. off a of bye at home. Give me the Eagles. Yeah. Also, I do it. I have a disdain for Kenny Pickett. No, and Jalen Hurts is elite. I don't care what anyone says. I have to take the Eagles. They're like playing like Madden with these trades. They're just and they're about to, they're going after what Kamara now or what? what who are yeah, they linked to? Uh, I know they're. Uh, they're going after uh, Roquan now because Roquan said that his best friend just got traded to the Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> and and they're good and they're trying to get Kamara, but the Saints want their first round pick back, and they told them no. Yeah, they're well, like, yeah, we'll give you a third if that's what McCaffrey went for. Well, McCaffrey went for more than a third. But. Well, they offered the same package for Kamara that uh, McCa- that was offered for McCaffrey, From and San they were Francisco. like, McCaffrey is better than Kamara, and they were like, well, yeah. They're going all in, and I kind of respect it because I they're making like football trades are so weird to me because draft picks are super valuable, but it just seems weird that uh, you can get 
a Pro Bowl edge rusher for a fourth round pick or where they get Can you imagine what that city will look like if both the Phillies oh and the Eagles do something this year? I mean, the Phillies already have done something. They're, they've already overachieved. Yeah, but it's not going to no. matter if they don't win. Uh, I don't they, know. They have that Bryce Harper homer forever. That that, 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 was, was, a that was sweet. Cool. Yeah, they, that video uh, was sweet. They greased. They're greasing the light poles in Philadelphia be, in, already in, in case the Phillies win the World Series. Well, there's wow. so many light poles because they will rip every one of them down yeah. off the ground. The, like, the out of the concrete. Light poles in Philadelphia are like couches in East Lansing. Not safe after a win. Or 100%. Goalposts in Knoxville. <laughs> or, yeah, goalposts in Knoxville. That's the new one. Uh, the next one's a pick em. Titans at Texans. Oddly enough, the Texans, who are, I believe, 1-4-1, one, and one, and the Titans are 4-2. and two. Uh, I don't, I'm just going off the records. I don't watch either of these teams. This is a boring football game to me. I won't be tuned in. Give me the Titans. Uh, I'm going Texans. I think I think it's going to be a Derrick Henry, Damian Pierce kind of game. I think they both run for like 150 and a touchdown. Um, that's the Titans then. I said Derrick Henry and Damian Pierce. Oh, I guess yeah. They're playing each other. So I'm and you know what? And I like Davis Mills. He's got a nice neck. And uh, and uh, what's his name? What Ryan Tan- Ryan Ryan Tannehill's not playing today. Yeah, Malik that's why his first career start. Malik Willis. Oh, he's actually he's better gonna go than off. Ryan Malik Willis so, is better than Ryan Tannehill. I'm already regretting this. I I'm I yeah, as much in. as I hate Tennessee, and I would love to take Davis Mills because he is elite. Um, Lovey Smith was the worst thing to ever happen to Houston. I don't know why they signed him. And Malik Willis is elite. He sh- the Lions should have drafted him at two. Oh, I still die no. in the I came on this program last so year and said that. They got him in the second round. Or the third round. <laughs> yeah, they could have got him like, like five times. I, I still like the Lions should have taken Thibodeau. That's another conversation. Give me the Titans. I, I agree, but okay. I'll take the Titans. They should have taken two. Thibodeau. I just, um, this, like you said, it's a pretty boring game. Yeah. Slowick's the Lone Ranger there. He takes the Texans. Commanders at... The Matt Merrifields, the fighting Matt Merrifields, the Indianapolis Colts, minus three and a half. Uh, Colts are favored. I've seen the Commanders. I don't think they're very good. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, our boy to my right over here, Matt Merrifield. Give me the Colts. Sam Ellinger starting today. The Colts are back. Will, what's the over-under on Sam Ellinger pass attempts? 15. Uh, 18. I'll say 18. 18, because he has zero in the NFL. Well, yeah, but, I mean, they should... Taylor's healthy. Hines is healthy. They should run the damn ball. Is, is, this, he- the is, this, probably is this Heineke Ellinger? Yeah. This is That's a last year. Oh, That's awesome. That's a duel. I'm but tuning into this. I, Frank, this is a 10-7 final Frank, written Frank all Reich over it. Frank is going to find a way to F this up. But. Uh, I, give me the Colts. Why not? Is everybody going to take the Colts? I don't. Well, I mean, I'm okay with it. I mean, yeah. You can no. Me in. No, you're not taking the Colts. Smart move. Oh, my, yeah. Oh. Heineke. I mean, yeah. We know, yeah, we know I, who Matt's taking. I respect it. Yeah, one, we did one we word did Heineke. Yeah. Uh 49ers at Rams, another pick 'em. This one's an even line. Uh Jimmy G against Matt Stafford. I'm gonna take Staff. I don't I don't like Jimmy G that much just as as a person. I love what he stands for in the in the mm-hmm. NFL. He and just dated being, an adult film film star. I don't know if you <laughs> He's an adult film that star is, himself, I think. Yeah, but just being a mediocre quarterback who just wins so many games is is really fun. But I, I can't, I can't go against Frat Matt. <laughs> um, you go slow. McCaffrey second week in the 49ers is the only thing that makes me kind of consider this game. I don't like. The, <sighs> give me the 49ers. I think McCaffrey's going to have a huge day. Have being in there for like ten days now. 
I think he's going to tear it up. My logic says take the Rams at home coming off a bye, but the Niners just have the Rams number. Jimmy G is a winner, and I don't like the Rams, and I love the Niners, and uh, go Niners. Yeah, it's it's you like, like the De- you don't like the Detroit Rams. No, I'm not a fan of the Detroit Rams. It's it's like the Raiders Chiefs. Like the Chiefs are always so much better, but the Raiders always well, find the a way Niners to beat them good. at least they once. Just, yeah, that's what know, I'm saying. Like it doesn't. This is like a rivalry game. Liam Niners I'm, Rams. I was just looking to see if Debo's playing. He's not. I'm gonna go Ooh. Rams. Uh, no, not changing my pick. Dang, they're no. sad now. No, no Devo. I actually Ooh. knew that too, and <laughs> like I, I read that earlier and just totally forgot about it. Uh, Giants at Seahawks. Seahawks favored by three and a half at home. They basically just get the home field advantage. This is a tough one for me. These are my two teams that have just boosted my record over you guys in this pick 'em. Gunslinging Geno Smith against Daniel Jones and the best team in the NFL. I don't really That's know. Danny Dimes to you. Know who I like Danny here. I, I, I both these these two teams have been so good to me in the pick'em. It's basically, I mean, I mean the the Giants have won like four in a row. The Seahawks have only won two. But it's like which of these freight trains is going to stop first? Uh, an immovable force. What's what's the saying? Immovable Unstoppable force, versus, force an versus an immovable oh, object. Yeah, That's I'm what it idiot. is. I'm and <laughs> I'm going to take. I said that way too. Confident. I'm going to take the unstoppable force that is Danny Dimes and the New York Giants. I, I'm I take, think they're going to win, let alone cover. I think I'm taking K nine and the Seahawks mm-hmm. here. I think. If you had told me week one that this game would be a, a six and one Giants versus a four and three Seattle, I would have said you were on something that you shouldn't be on. Uh, I am shocked that this is actually like a quality game, but going to Seattle is very difficult. And I still am not sold on the Giants. I just I don't like the Giants. I don't know what it is. Give the Seahawks. I think this is another running back dominant and also, game. And and K nine is him. And yeah, uh, I, I yeah. Think, there's a guy in this game called Saquon Barkley, but. I think Brian. Da- I think I think Dable's a legitimate good head football coach, and they they've won in different ways this year. And that like, um, yeah, but their Jones run now. game their run game is like impressive. And I know I I'm gonna root for K9. He's on my fantasy team too, and he's <laughs> a legend. But important the Giant. I think the Giants are. I can't on believe the, that they're on the one the, year anniversary. Laying, one year ago today, he ran for five. I touchdowns. just said I'm that rooting for true. him. No, I'm just saying like I he's gonna run for five more today. Good. That would be insane. If, he, if <laughs> October 30th was just his day, right? that'd be wild. Liam takes the Giants. Our final pick, another absolutely horrendous primetime game. Packers We're at hit. Bills at 820 on Sunday Night Football. At least we get football. to watch Josh Allen, though. But who who cares when they're going to win this game by 40? The Bills are favored by 10 and a half. This is another free money game in the double digits. Give me the Bills. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Bills for Slowick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not... Any chance the Packers lose by 10 or less? No. Oh, the Bills are going to cover. Or, yeah, the Bills are going to kill them. Um, don't I'm going to take the Packers. Just, I don't know. I, I don't like... I don't. I've already picked multiple double-digit lines. I can't take all of them, so I'm going to take the Packers. Matt, what is this late edition? Uh, the your... Monday night game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot to put the Monday night game in there. Bengals at Browns, 8-15 on ESPN tomorrow. Cincinnati is favored by three in this one. Absolutely give me Joe Shiesty and the Bengals here. I hate Cleveland. And even more after a certain tweet was posted last night. That made me very angry. Oh, yeah. Well, I, that, I, that made... I vowed that I'm never picking the Browns yeah, either. Well, I so know. I just, yeah, give me I'm the just going to have their record in, in those games that's, this that's, season. That's perfectly acceptable. 
I think we all are doing the same thing. I, I would like to uh, – yeah, I'm taking the Bengals as well. Uh, but I would like to throw out there week one Kenneth Walker. I know he's the starter now and he wasn't originally. Plus 700 anytime touchdown score. Now he's minus 130 to score a touchdown. Well, week one he was coming off his hernia surgery. Oh, that's true. He didn't even – I take back everything I said. Um, I will also go to the Bengals. I don't think the Browns are great, and I think the Bengals are hitting their stride. Joe Burrow's starting to play like Joe Burrow. All right, that's the pick'em after this. That's week four for us. We'll see if uh, Sloak and Merrifield can come back uh, and uh, overtake your leader over here on the mic. We'll see if Liam can do better than his dismal four and ten last time. We are running out of show. We have another edition of everybody's favorite segment. It's in or out. Uh, we've got a few additions here. These ones I've wanted to get to for a while. I would have done them last week, but we didn't have a show with fall break. Obviously, the big thing in East Lansing, and a reminder to our listeners who are not familiar with in or out, can be sports, can be not sports. These ones are not sports today. Um, Raisin Canes opened this past week in East Lansing for the first time. Fans waited in line for hours and hours. Got there at 3 in the morning. Idiots, in my opinion. There were members of Impact in that line. Waiting, yeah, idiots. Waiting 20-plus minutes in the Raising Canes line. Anything more than that for some mid-chicken, just absolutely mediocre. I'd wait for the bread, the chicken, no thank you. I'm there to get chicken. I am out on waiting in the Raising Canes line. Well, I mean, I had not been there yet until Thursday when after me, myself, Liam, and Sir Denick went to State News to help them out with something. And uh, we went after, and we got there literally three seconds before the line showed up. So I, we had our, I literally got my food before I was done paying, which was the wildest thing. I so felt quick. like I was at Jimmy That's never going to happen again there. I probably won't. I went back Friday after we were at Snooze again, and there was a line outside. And I was like, how long did you wait? Didn't. I went to Jimmy nice. John's. I Good walked boy. down to Jimmy John's. He's, he's out on waiting in the line. I'm out on waiting in the line. I'm, it's I, not worth, it's not I, worth I, waiting more than 10 minutes. Very in on raising canes. I wouldn't wait more than 20 minutes, though, so I'm out on that. But cane sauce... Is uh, it's, it's great it's solid chicken. The Texas chick- toast, dip, the, the Texas toast in the cane sauce makes that restaurant go round. Get, Other than that, it's a Chick Fil A repeat, and they're both no the because same. the sauce is better. No, Chick-fil-A I don't think the sauce Chick-fil-A is better. Is better. It's, no, it's, it's, it's the same. Better. You realize it's Chick-fil-A the same fries. sauce. You can the eat, ingredient is the same except for like one thing. Chick Fil A fries are definitely better. Chick Fil A fries are better. You can also eat. I could eat a chicken tender or chicken nugget from Chick Fil A without sauce. Like, why would I do that? Never, but I could. Yeah, the t- chicken tenders at Cane's taste like nothing. You have to put sauce on it, and I that's disagree. my problem. With the it. chicken is just so mediocre. I guarantee. Okay, eat, next time you go to Cane's, your don't, taste buds haven't matured enough. I guess <laughs> <laughs> palate is too yeah. young. What I you don't understand. Uh, I I'm out on waiting in line for just about anything. I agree. Um, you know, yeah, I'm an so, old man. You don't I'm like queuing. Even you don't like queuing. What are you British? You don't the, like waiting in line for establishments on Friday nights? No, I have I have apps. For, yeah, I'm only sneaking in the back door. I have apps for most of the places that I get food, whether it's Jimmy John's, Chick Fil A, Taco Bell. Like I just have apps and order it before. Um, this morning I tried to get uh, breakfast from a green establishment on Grand River. Um, no free ads. I won't even say them because how angry I am right now. I'm trying to get Liam and myself uh, a griddle, if you know what I'm saying. Ah, um, uh, yeah, I was yeah. mad at them too. I couldn't get a milkshake over the weekend. So I we, I placed an order online. We got there like five minutes after breakfast is done serving, but I was like, oh, I already ordered it online. They'll make my food. I got there, told me they wouldn't make my food, and 
I left here hungry and angry. Screw them. So what about Raising Cane's? I'm just saying I'm out on waiting anyway. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, that wasn't. This that, other that, one, I had that this. Was, that, was that was a low point. I had this, this morning, epiphany right? when I was on campus, and all of the campus doors worked this way. And I wanted to get your guys' take. I hate nothing more in the world. Shout out McKenna Lowndes, the programming director here at Impact. I had a conversation with her about this. She said, "Stall doors that do this." are just mistakes. They're not even correct. Stall doors that open inwards, meaning you have to push them in to get into the stall and then pull them open to leave the stall. You got to back up into the toilet that you just finished using in order to get out. I absolutely hate this. Give me a stall door that opens outwards. I'm so out on stall doors that open inwards. This is the where, stupidest where thing. So I, Every, I, everywhere on campus does this. I every have, every campus stall opens inwards, and it's stupid. I hate it. I have insight on that, though, because they had to switch them at my high school. Really? If they, if they open outwards, they're a lot easier to rip off. Oh, give me a I break. Swear, I swear, go to any bar ever, they all open inwards. It's because you can pull them down easier when they swing out, right. and you can rip them off. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. I, I'm indifferent. Do I, I have I'm, to I mean, I guess I'm like, out you on it. Have to. <laughs> I in outer you know indifferent. I, I, I'm in on having a stall door, so I'm okay with <laughs> yeah, them opening okay, inwards. Uh, what about, okay, so it's Halloween, obviously. We're uh, we're all going to be celebrating tomorrow. We've spent the last eight days celebrating because that's how Halloween works in college. And uh, so this one is wearing a costume that you wore last year because, and, and here's the thing, I'm in on this. I absolutely love this idea. I'm so lazy when it comes to Halloween costumes. I'm not a big Halloween guy. I don't love all the parties and all the dressing up and having to feel like you need to go out for four or five days. We're celebrating Halloween now at Michigan State University on Thursday, October 27th, four days before the actual day. People are like, oh, are you wearing a costume tonight? No. What are you talking? I'm going to put on a construction vest and pretend to be a construction. I'm going to be lazy about this. So then so then I've got people who are like, oh, but didn't you wear that last year? Yeah. And I still have this costume. I'm going to wear it again because I don't want to dress up five or six days in a row for this stupid holiday in on wearing the same costume year after year. I'm in too because I'm a banana. Yeah. Liam is that's that fun. Every, every year. It has a blood um, stain on it now, though. That's strange, but we'll move on. Um. I actually remember the night that the we made a couple. <laughs> oh, uh, that sounds like an off-air story. <laughs> Halloween, uh, it would have been what twenty nineteen. Uh, there was multiple trips to the emergency room. Oh, I didn't go to the okay. Not you. We're running out of show. We'll I, get to that one later. I, I'm in. I'm totally in on wearing costumes again. Why spend money if you don't have to? Exactly. Drip out. Well, my question, I got a little bit of flack for this because I wore a pineapple suit to Gunson last night to Hank's house. I also wore it on Wednesday night at a certain establishment that was having a Pong tournament that me and Nick... That's a little different. But But I think it's different. Some people got to wear a different costume each night and I'm like, uh, number one, no. I don't, you see, I'm you're, you're dressing up on Wednesday. You're not gonna. You're not gonna have six like, different I, costumes. I, some people do. Halloween's which I think tomorrow. Is exactly. Like I. I don't have enough costumes. I had two costumes. My roommate made me dress up as Tom Cruise from Top Gun on Thursday night. So I had two costumes. Okay, there we go. So. Real quick, final one. No more show oh. left. Candy corn in or out? out. I am out. in on candy corn. Liam, go. Out. 
All in right. on plantains, though. That's yeah, the plantains. green and white report. No plantains, no tea. We don't like it here on WDBM East Lansing. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you have a better Sunday than last night for many of the Michigan State fans. Uh, for Zach Slowick, Matt Merrifield, Liam Jackson, I am Brendan Shabath. Have a wonderful Sunday, ladies and gentlemen.